millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets. Naturalhempoil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Visit naturalhempoil.com. That's naturalhempoil.com. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now. Something wicked is coming this way, and only fools are ignoring the signs. So it's time you became a financial prepper like thousands of others. Gold can travel anywhere. It's international. It's its own currency. Allocate to gold now, the timeless safe haven asset. Open an IRA with noble gold investments to physically hold coins and bars and let real, tangible gold, not just paper, save your portfolio as the economy burns again. Right now, Noble Gold Investments offers a free 3-ounce silver American virtue coin with every qualified IRA. Just use the promo code GOLD to claim your free coin and secure your family's financial future. 
future. Go to noblegoldinvestments.com. Now, noblegoldinvestments.com. Past performance may not be indicative of future results. Investing in precious metals, including gold, involves risks. Consult with your tax attorney or financial professional before making an investment decision. Secret. June 2022. This is now a year and a half later. DOJ and FBI recover an additional 38 classified documents from Mar-a-Lago. Your FBI. Our FBI. Uh, a lawyer for Mr. Trump signed a statement at that point. To the best of her knowledge, she said, all classified materials had been returned. But surveillance footage, of course, showed that wasn't the case. And in August of 2022, a federal judge approved a warrant uh, to search Mar-a-Lago. This was not a raid, as some on the other side would like to have a pity party for Mr. Trump. This was not a raid. They then retrieved another 102 documents with classified markings. 300 and some documents taken by the president improperly stored uh, and then tried to evade and obstruct justice, as is alleged. Do you think that the FBI went over the top or was out of line in their in your participation in retrieving these documents? Well, again, I, I don't want to discuss the, the specifics of a pending case, but from everything I've seen, our folks in this case uh, have proceeded honorably and in strict compliance with our policies, our rules, and our best practices. And it seems from what overview we can do, I'm taking a look here at the affidavit to get this, the search warrant uh, to go on in. It was uh, one of your special agents uh, assigned from the Washington field office. Obviously, we don't know who, uh, but pointed out and made the case for probable cause to go in and to collect these documents. So let's take a look at the flip side. What's the harm? What's the danger to either human assets, um, your employees, uh, national security for Mr. Trump holding on to, moving around, showing uh, top secret documents? Where's the harm? 18 months of this going on. Well, again, I'm, respectfully, I'm not going to comment or weigh in on a case that's now pending in front of federal judges, but, but speaking more generally... Uh, the rules governing the handling of classified information uh, are there for a reason, and people need to be very mindful of those rules. And unfortunately, the FBI has, as a steady part of its docket, a number of investigations involving mishandling. And the reason those rules are there is because classified information, if it gets into the wrong hands, uh, can put human sources in jeopardy, it can put uh, other kinds of intelligence collection at jeopardy, it can jeopardize our partnerships with foreign liaison services, which are really the lifeblood of the intelligence community in many ways. Um, so it's serious business, and it needs to be taken seriously. But again, I'm not speaking about a particular case, I, I'm just speaking generally. I very much appreciate it, Mr. Chairman. I appreciate it, but I do want to just point out to the world, none of this is normal. It was not normal what took place here. And I yield back. Generally, it yields back. Bedroom, bathroom, ballroom. How about a box in a in a, in a Mr. Garage? Chairman. Mr. Beach Chairman. house in Delaware and the Biden Center. I don't think those are skips. Mr. Chairman, either. point of order. The gentleman from Texas is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, I want to talk about China, but before I do, I want to just uh, comment. You know, in the last exchange with Mr. Roy, I heard you say um, certain practices were outrageous to you, and I appreciated that. Uh, and I think maybe we would have liked to have heard more of that this hearing about things, um, acknowledging failures. I realize there are a lot of positives to talk about, 
Um, but we do, as a committee, want to work with you. When Chairman Jordan um, asks why so much is redacted in a document, could we perhaps sit down with you, uh, even if it's privately, and you tell us why that needs to be the case? Um, if we ask for the names of these employees that were behind the Catholic, um, the Catholic issue in Virginia, can we get a commitment that we'll eventually get those names? I, I didn't hear that in that exchange with Mr. Jordan. Well, you certainly have my commitment that we will work collaboratively with the committee. Uh, we obviously have rules that govern uh, what we can share, and we have to be mindful of those too. But in my experience, that's what the longstanding accommodation process between the executive branch, especially law enforcement agencies and Congress, is there for. Uh, and we absolutely will pursue that in good faith. I know we've been providing an enormous amount of information, and if there are places that we can uh, do better on that. We want to try to do better on that. If Again, consistent with our rules. I'm very mindful of the fact that the whole reason I'm in this job is because my predecessor was fired, and in a fairly scathing Inspector General report, one of the things he was criticized for was uh, sharing more information, both with the public and, frankly, with Congress, than was consistent with federal rules. Thank you, Thank you for that pledge. Uh, now to China. Most Americans don't realize, I don't think, that U.S. companies doing business in China are required to have joint venture agreements. That's been around since 2017 or 18, I believe. And it requires the uh, Chinese Communist Party to have political cells within these uh, enterprises, American enterprises in China. In the last few weeks, it has come to my attention that they've taken that up a notch and actually gone further, the Chinese have, and said that not only must they be present and have access, but they now control um, these American businesses. So they're, in essence, nationalizing American enterprises in China. And the CEOs I've talked to are afraid to say something. They say they've come to the FBI. The FBI, I think, um, is aware of this. I'm, I'm about to turn it over to you. Um, my question is, is this happening? And what can be done about it? What do we need to do about it? Well, I think you've, you've put your finger on a very important issue and, frankly, one that does not get the attention that it really deserves. So I appreciate you bringing it up. Uh, I will say that, in my view, there is no country, none, that presents a broader, more comprehensive threat to our ideas, our innovation, our economic security than the Chinese government and the Chinese Communist Party. And in many ways, it represents, I think, the defining threat of our era. And when it comes specifically to the business community, while there's no law against joint ventures, uh, the problem that we have is that the Chinese government uh, all too often has exploited those joint ventures to then use them as ways to uh, get uh, improper access to companies' uh, secrets and information. Do you find that they have stepped it up, though, to where they are, in essence, nationalizing U.S. companies quietly? In a variety of ways. I hadn't really thought of using that term, but I think you're on to a very important point. I'll give you an example that's, that I think a lot of people in America still don't know about and would be shocked to hear, which is that really any company of any size in China uh, is required, required by Chinese law to have what they uh, quaintly call a committee, which is essentially a cell inside the company whose sole function is to ensure that company's compliance with Chinese Communist Party orthodoxy. If we tried to install something like that in American companies, or if the British tried to do it in British companies, or any number of other places, 
people would go out of their minds, and rightly so. Agreed. Well, thank you. Uh, I'd like to work with you more on that, and I'd uh, yield the balance of my time to the chairman. Thank you. But that's exactly what you did, and the judge said it last week. Every week you were meeting with big tech companies saying, hey, look at this. This violates your policy. Take this speech of Americans down. You were doing the same darn thing you just described the Chinese about. And can we put up the email that Mr. Nadler entered in the uh, unanimous consent request? Can we put this up from the FBI to Bank of America? Because I want to know something. This is the full email. Go to the bullet point where it says, any historical purchase going back six months generally for weapons, weapons-related vendor purchase. you see that, Director? You see that bullet point, the one that says any in all caps, that bullet point? This is the email. How did you know? How would you know if it's a firearm purchase? How is the FBI going to know this? Could you put your mic on, please? I'm sorry. I'm not going to start engaging on specific correspondence. I don't have the whole string here. As I've said before, my understanding is that our engagement with Bank of America was lawful, but that we also took steps, as we discussed in our earlier exchange. Well, if it's lawful, why'd you take steps not to use the material? You can't have it both ways. I, I disagree with that, actually. You, really? There are, plenty of th there are plenty of things that we lawfully can do that we decide are better not to do. And that, that's my understanding is what happened here. Wow. Wow. Uh, the chair recognizes the gentlelady from Texas for five minutes. Thank, thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Director Ray, thank you for your testimony, and thank you for your public service. Last week in my district and my hometown of El Paso, Texas, a um, domestic violent extremist was sentenced to 90 consecutive life terms for a horrific attack he carried out on my community on August 3rd, 2019. On that day, he confessed that he drove uh, over 10 hours from his community in East Texas to mine in order to slaughter Mexicans and immigrants. And before he walked into that Walmart, he published his screed online, uh, and he used some of the same uh, ugly, xenophobic rhetoric that I hear my colleagues on the other side of the aisle use. And then he walked into that Walmart with an automatic-style uh, weapon and began shooting indiscriminately. He killed 23 people, injured dozens more, and my community remains profoundly impacted by that attack. And the victims and the survivors and the loved ones still live with profound pain and trauma. What is the FBI doing, Director Ray, in response to racially motivated domestic terrorism? Well, first, let me say uh, I uh, feel your pain. Uh, I actually visited the Walmart uh, crime scene shortly after the attack and spent time with our folks on the ground who were uh, processing the crime scene. Uh, in blistering heat uh, on the, in the parking lot there, uh, and obviously got briefed by the investigative team and met with our local partners. Uh, and obviously, it was a horrific, tragic event. Um, and the the individual stories about uh, some of the individual victims um, stick with me to this day. Uh, as to the broader phenomenon of uh, racially motivated violent extremism. Uh, we have done a number of things. We elevated it to a national threat priority uh, back in the summer of 2019, I believe it was. 
which means that uh, it is squarely in scope of all of our joint terrorism task forces uh, and treated as a priority at the top level. That's our highest level of priority. Uh, we also uh, have uh, engaged, we created a domestic terrorism hate crimes fusion cell, and you might wonder what's the point of that. Well, what we found was that sometimes the same acts of violence could either be called a hate crime or could be called an act of domestic uh, violent extremism. And in the way the FBI is structured, the first is treated by our criminal investigative division, and the second is created by, is, is focused on by our counterterrorism division. And by bringing the two subject matter experts together, we could make sure that we are not letting anything slip through the cracks. And more importantly, we can be proactive in thinking ahead. And that same fusion cell uh, for example, was then very important in us identifying and preventing uh, a potentially devastating attack against a synagogue outside of Colorado. It was really one of the first times uh, in recent memory that a hate crimes prosecution was, was, uh, was able to be preventative. All too often, unfortunately, those cases are brought after there's a horrific attack. So we were very proud of, of disrupting that plot. Thank you so much, uh, Director Ray. I'm also very curious about what steps you've taken to improve coordination between the FBI and the Department of Homeland Security in terms of reporting the domestic terrorism data. Well, there's, uh, there were a number of um, places, this gets a little bit technical, but the, uh, the reports that, the, uh, that Congress called for uh, I've had a number of engagements with uh, with Senator Peters uh, and on the Senate side about this, uh, where data about how many domestic terrorism attacks there had been and which cases there were. Uh, I think there were different ways in which the two agencies were count what they were counting and so forth. Uh, so, in order to kind of get better at providing that information as required by Congress, we've worked more and more closely with DHS on ensuring a common. Uh, set of metrics and so forth to, to make sure that the reports are getting in on time uh, and that they're complete. We still have some work to do to make them better, but I think we've made significant progress. I appreciate it. That data is critically important, as you know. Uh, I'm just about out of time. Thanks again for your service, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. Excuse me. Gentlelady yields back. The gentlelady from Florida is recognized. Good afternoon, Director Ray. Director, how many sworn special agents are there currently in the United States? You mean outside the FBI? Oh, no, in the FBI. Just in the FBI. Uh, I think we have about 14,000 or so uh, FBI special agents. And they are spread across field offices and resident agencies in the U.S. and, and in some cases around the world. Is that right? Uh, yes. All right. Now, as a former federal prosecutor and judge, I've had the opportunity to work with a number of men and women of the FBI from my home state. And one thing that I know and that we've heard in your testimony today is that you all have very broad responsibilities. Uh, is it correct to say that the FBI, among other things, investigates counterterrorism, counterintelligence, cybercrime, public corruption, civil rights offenses, transnational organized crime, violent crime, and domestic terrorism. Uh, and then other things as well, yes. but yes. Yes. And in addition to that, would you agree with the statement that the Bureau provides important support to local law enforcement agencies around the country on those subjects and others? Uh, I would say indispensable support and something I hear about. I, I'm talking with chiefs and sheriffs probably every week in this job since I've started, and if there's one refrain I hear from them consistently 
is keep it coming. We need it. Can you give us even more help? Um, that's what I hear from them. Yeah, I'd like to focus on the subject of domestic terrorism today. And when we talk about domestic terrorism, the Bureau's work includes investigating and bringing to justice those who would do profound harm to the homeland, given the opportunity. And the Bureau has has been involved in uh, cases more like hate crimes, violent extremists, and, and even some of our country's most notorious criminals, like Timothy McVeigh and Ted Kaczynski. Is that right? Yes. Okay. And of course, there are many such individuals who have plans to do harm to our homeland uh, that America never hears about because you successfully intercept and prevent before those incidents occur. Yes. In fact, one of the things that I think people would be surprised to know because terrorism is, is not as much in the news as it was during the era when I was serving in the Bush administration in the 9-11 era, but we have, just since I've been director, disrupted attacks against uh, a July 4th parade uh, in Ohio, uh, a, a, any number of attacks against churches and other houses of worship, uh, an attack, an attempted attack, a plot to attack a hospital during COVID, uh, the pier in San Francisco in sort of a peak tourism moment, uh, a crowded beach during you know, Memorial Holiday. And these are not all domestic terrorism. Some of them are, and that's important for people to know, some of these are jihadist-inspired uh, terrorist attacks, too. And that has not gone away, even though a lot of the public discussion has been about domestic terrorism. And so here's what I'm hoping you can help us reconcile today. So we know that there are a limited number of agents, a limited number of resources, and a vast responsibility to prevent uh, a broad array of very serious offenses. And what I'd like to do with that in mind is turn your attention to the decision within the Bureau to use investigative resources to investigate and surveil parents who attended school board meetings for the purpose of sharing their concerns about the nature of their children's education and the efficacy of the policies that would be implemented by school boards around the country. Is it correct that in 2021, the FBI created a threat tag specifically designed to identify parents attending school board meetings? Uh Yes, but I think it's important for people to understand what a threat tag is and is not. It is not what we base investigations on. It's not an investigative tool. It's an administrative function in our system, and it doesn't change anything, anything about how we investigate, tools we use, any of our longstanding standards for predication. But in uh, and you mentioned the whole resource allocation question. It is correct, is it not, however, that agents surveilled, that agents did in fact surveil and investigate certain parents who were attending school board meetings? No, ma'am, that's actually not correct. We, we opened 25 assessments into reports that were tagged, but none of those involved incidents at school board meetings. And to my knowledge, the FBI has not opened investigations on any parent for exercising speech at school board meetings. Would you be concerned that to do so would be an infringement or perhaps a chilling on the First Amendment rights of parents to participate freely and openly in those meetings? Do you believe that would be an appropriate function of the Bureau? I believe that our mission is to protect the American people and uphold the Constitution. Uh, and the uphold the Constitution part is very important to me and to our people. Uh, and I will say to you the same thing I said to all 56 of our field offices as soon as I read that memo, which is the FBI is not 
and has never been in the business of policing or investigating speech by parents at school board meetings. Uh, and we're not about to start now. We're going to keep doing what we've been doing. And that includes when there's violence, threats of violence, we're going to work with our state and local partners uh, as we always have uh, on that and following our normal procedures and our normal uh, investigative steps and our normal standards for predication. Thank you, Director Ray. Mr. Chairman, I yield back. The lady yields back. The gentleman from Colorado is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Director Ray, thank you for being here. Thank you for your testimony. And thank you for your service to our country uh, under some pretty difficult circumstances. And we're certainly grateful. I'm certainly grateful that people of the state that I represent, Colorado, are grateful to uh, the 38,000 members of the FBI team, as you have articulated. Uh, that are working every day to keep the American people safe and to keep the people of my state and my community safe. So we're grateful for you being here. Uh, this committee obviously has a legitimate role in terms of conducting oversight. Generally, that oversight has extended to uh, the, the policy areas, the areas of law enforcement that, of course, uh, you are responsible for. Unfortunately, much of the conversation today, uh, and it's disappointing, I think, for those Americans who have been watching, uh, has not been focused on those legitimate areas of inquiry, but instead conspiracy theories and the like, uh, obviously, as you have been given an opportunity to respond to uh, some of the attacks that have been made against uh, the law enforcement agency uh, that you direct, uh, and the dangerous calls, or at least in my view, the dangerous calls that have been made by my colleagues on the other side of the aisle uh, in terms of defunding federal law enforcement, which is deeply dangerous, and, and you've uh, articulated the many reasons why. I'd like to focus in on two areas that are important to my constituents in Colorado and that I believe are relevant to the work that you do, uh, and that is the fentanyl epidemic and gun violence prevention. With respect to uh, the latter, uh, you may recall you testified in front of the committee previously. I had an opportunity to ask you about an incident that occurred back in 2020 in my state in Colorado. Uh, in 2021, the GAO issued a report in response to this particular incident. Just by way of background, a gun dealer in Colorado transferred a firearm to an 18-year-old resident of Florida without first verifying the purchaser's age eligibility in her state of residence. The gun buyer then threatened to commit a school shooting akin to the mass tragedy that occurred at Columbine High, uh, causing the lockdown and closure of multiple schools in my district back in Colorado. The report recommended, the GAO report, that the FBI strengthen its system for the sale of firearms to out-of-state purchasers. Specifically, it recommended that the FBI update the NICS system to verify the age requirements of an out-of-state firearm purchaser in both the purchaser's state of residence and the state of sale to ensure basic age eligibility. And we've introduced legislation um, that I believe the Department of Justice is aware of to make that requirement statutory. Wonder if you have, if you could expound a bit on whether the, I'm sure you're aware of the report, whether the FBI has implemented the recommendation uh, that the GAO has made, and if not, uh, the FBI's plans to do so. Well, uh, I think the specific legislation that would require that is something, as you said, that I think the department is studying, um, and so I can't weigh in on a specific legislative proposal. Uh, when it comes to the specific issue of uh, 18 to 20-year-olds in particular uh, and gun purchases, um, that is, of course, the subject of the, the Bipartisan Safer Communities Act that was passed. Um, and there are a number of significant checks that now occur. Uh, we started implementing that last October, fully implemented it starting in January. Uh, and that provides for enhanced checks for that 
that critical population, the 18 to 20 year old uh, range, uh, juvenile uh, criminal records, mental health records for that population, and contact, in some ways, most importantly, contact with local law enforcement in that person's community. And I've actually been out to NICS, met with and sat with the operators who, who process those checks. Um, so I've seen kind of firsthand how it works and, and, and the important work it, it represents. And I think if you were to talk, I'm talking to chiefs and sheriffs all over this country every week, and uh, you will hear, most of them, if you talk to them for very long, you will hear about their concern and our concern about juveniles and violence uh, I almost guarantee you within the first 10 minutes of any conversation. It's a real problem in this country. Well, I thank you for your answer, and I think it underscores the importance of the NICS program and uh, would look forward to uh, perhaps following up with your team on this particular administrative issue of trying to just make sure that the database is, is working efficiently. Limited time left, but I just want to give you an opportunity. I know we've talked a bit about the fentanyl epidemic devastating communities across the the country, certainly in Colorado, it's one of the reasons why we created a fentanyl prevention caucus here in the Congress. It's bipartisan. Uh, Representative Issa is one of our co-chairs. wonder if you just might be able to, you know, for those Americans who are watching, kind of provide us with your sense of some of the trends, the most dangerous and disturbing trends that you think the American people and policymakers should be aware of. Well, I will say there are a whole bunch of trends, but in the limited time, but because of the importance of this topic, I'll hit a couple one is, uh, and we were just discussing this recently internally, we are finding uh, over the course of the last year that uh, maybe even a little less than a year that almost every gang takedown we have now, and we're doing them all over the country all the time, almost every single one now seems to involve as well a seizure of fentanyl. Uh, and we've been doing gang takedowns since uh, Congresswoman Lee was a prosecutor as well. Uh, so that's not new. But what is new is that over and over and over again, it seems consistently we're finding fentanyl in these, again, these are violent crime takedowns. Uh, the second phenomenon, which is deeply disturbing, and I know the DEA administrator is very concerned about as well, is that we're seeing more and more adulteration or lacing of fentanyl into all sorts of different kinds of prescription drugs that lots of Americans take all the time. Uh, and if you think about the phenomenon of the youth of this country, which is itself a problem of getting prescription drugs from their friends or their friends' parents or whatever it happens to be, they may not know that there's potentially a lethal dose of fentanyl in some prescription drug that they're taking. So it just underscores the importance of only getting your prescriptions from an appropriate medical provider. Gentleman's time has expired. The gentleman from Wisconsin is recognized. Is the southern border secure? I think the southern border represents a um, massive security threat. So what we've heard from you today is that um, uh, fentanyl has become a really big problem and that you're having to put more resources to it. Is that correct? Towards fentanyl, yes. Uh, yes, we are. And the related gangs. I mean, you just retailed uh, some of the story. Right. So this all happened over the last couple of years as the border has become unsecure. Um, is the southern border secure? Well, again, we're not – I want to defer to uh, the Homeland Security, which has responsible for the physical security of the building. I will just tell you from the FBI's perspective that we are seeing all sorts of very serious, very serious criminal threats that, that come from across the border. And getting worse, Correct. You're putting more assets towards it? We certainly do. We have, as I so said... it's becoming more of a priority for you. 
it is becoming more and more and more of a priority for us. Um, so in the Durham report, and we heard from Mr. Durham just a couple of weeks ago, he said the FBI failed to uphold the important mission of strict fidelity to the law, and that predates you. Uh, do you agree with that statement that Mr. Durham uh, made? Uh, yes, I do. Was Russia collusion a hoax? So in light of the Durham report well, and that, was Russia collusion a hoax? What I would say is this. Uh, one as to the Durham report itself, and one as to the issue of Russia malign influence. As to the Durham report itself, be quick. The, uh, I'll try. The conduct it describes is conduct that I consider unacceptable and unrepresentative of who I see the FBI is every day and must not ever be allowed to happen again. And on the other side. Second, on the other one, it is not seriously disputed that the Russians, among other foreign adversaries, have attempted to interfere in our elections. Uh, and so, and there have been any number of findings to that. In fact, President Trump himself uh, rightly declared a national emergency about foreign interference in our elections in 2018. So as a result of the actions of James Comey, the disgraced James Comey, and the FBI, they've interfered with the elections in both 2016 and 2020. Will that interference happen again in 2024 by the FBI? The FBI is not going to be interfering in elections. They did in 2016. Well, I, I don't know that that's what Mr. Durham found. What I would tell you again is that it was conduct that I consider unacceptable and unrepresentative. You can be in denial if you want to. I'm not in denial, Mr. Sir. You can be in denial on this. That's exactly what happened. Last year, the FBI gave a defensive briefing to my home state, Senator Johnson. And you can see the slide up there now. And then that defensive briefing was leaked to the Washington Post. Who ordered that briefing? So defensive briefings when it comes to election matters, uh, including in the last administration, uh, under a procedure set up by the last administration, are an interagency process coordinated by the Office of Director of National Intelligence. And the way that works is the interagency concludes that a defensive briefing is appropriate, and the FBI is given information from whatever intelligence community agency supplies it, and then we provide it. Defensive briefings, it's important to understand. Senator Johnson. That's his quote. He's up there with you and Hunter Biden. I knew it was a setup. And he asked you this question back in November of last year. And he said, I knew it was a setup. And here's, and that goes back to the point about interfering in elections. Senator Johnson was the, one of the most vulnerable Republican incumbents, if not the most vulnerable Republican incumbent, that was a target of the Democrats in the 2022 election. And then you see this briefing happen, and he knew what was happening, that there was someone or some people within the FBI and the intelligence arena that were going after him. Did Joe Biden take uh, payments from Burisma or any other foreign companies as vice president, president, or private citizen Biden? Uh, as you may know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the U.S. attorney in Delaware, Mr. Weiss, appointed uh, by President Trump in the last administration that our Baltimore field office is working with, and I would refer you to, to him as to what, if anything, can be said. So the president is under, um, he is under um, investigation. I'm not going to confirm or speak to who is or isn't under investigation for what. I'm simply so going to So he's not you, under investigation? I didn't say that either. Uh, by longstanding department policy and practice, I'm oh. not going to be 
confirming or denying I'll who is or isn't under investigation thank, or for what. Thank you. I, I'll close with this. Russia collusion started it, Mr. Chairman, and the targeting and the suppression and the censorship has continued until this point. We need to thoroughly review what the FBI is doing, and at a minimum, I will be allowing FISA to sunset if we're not going to see significant reforms in the agency. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Gentleman from North Carolina is recognized. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you, Director Ray, for your service and your patience. Um, in 2018, 10 leaders of Temple Beth Or, a synagogue in my district, received threats mailed to their homes. These threats led to the cancellation of programming and continued a disturbing trend of rising anti-Semitism in North Carolina. In the years since, my state has confronted new threats from domestic terrorists at minority institutions. This past April, a man was arrested on the campus of North Carolina A&T State University, the largest HBCU in the country, with multiple firearms and hundreds of rounds of ammunition, as well as a makeshift explosive, brass knuckles, crossbow, knives, and other weapons. Thankfully, this man was arrested before he could cause any harm, but the threat he posed to the campus mirrors threats we've seen to HBCUs around the country. In North Carolina and across the United States, we've also seen increased threats against reproductive care providers in the wake of the Dobbs decision last summer. And North Carolina recently enacted a 12-week abortion ban that has severely restricted access to reproductive health care in my state, and people often have to go through threatening crowds to be able to access the care that they need. While some in North Carolina have highlighted vandalism of crisis pregnancy centers since the overturn of Roe, they failed to acknowledge or respond to the increase in violence at abortion providers. Does the FBI currently provide anti-terrorism training to civilians, to HBCUs, places of worship, religious centers, individuals providing abortion services, LGBTQ groups, and does that training include a domestic terrorism component um, so that they can help you and law enforcement? Well, we, uh, we do a whole bunch of things to engage with the community, um, uh, institutions that are targeted with violence. Um, that include a number of the kinds of institutions you uh, mentioned. I know in particular we work very, very closely with the Jewish community, which uh, uh, has the unfortunate distinction uh, of, despite the, the percentage that they represent of the American population, of being way disproportionately targeted. So we spend a lot of time engaging with them around the country and nationally. Um, we also... Uh, spent a lot of time engaging with campus uh, law enforcement, including at HBCUs. We spent a lot of time on that, uh, especially last year with the bomb threats that were that were coming in. Uh, I was just recently with all of uh, the campus law enforcement leaders from around the country just uh, the last couple of weeks. Um, and we certainly try to provide uh, awareness to different kinds of institutions about how to deal with 
potential mass casualty events and things like that. We also provide information about uh, things to be on the lookout for in, in people's communities. Uh, I should say, though, when you mention um, on the abortion side, reproductive facilities, of course, I would be remiss if I didn't also point out that there has been uh, a pretty significant uptick in violence going the other way mm -hmm. uh, since the Dobb decision. And in fact, most of the investigations that we've opened uh, since the Dobb decision, probably about 70% of them have been violence against pro-life facilities. We recently had a, uh, a significant charge uh, in the Madison, Wisconsin area of a guy who was trying to firebomb a pro-life facility there. So it, we're, we're out there with communities across the spectrum. Okay. And how would an investigation differ if it's domestic terrorism uh, as opposed to just an ordinary criminal case? Well... Our investigation focuses on the violence, first and mm -hmm. foremost. I think there is no domestic terrorism statute. Uh, there's no offense of domestic mm -hmm. terrorism. But uh, we define domestic terrorism for purposes of, of opening an investigation as having three things, violence or threat of violence, uh, in furtherance of an ideology. In other words, that's what's driving the, the violence in that particular instance, and in violation of federal criminal law. If we have those three things... Uh, enough evidence to indicate that that might be what's going on, then we would treat that as a domestic terrorism investigation. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I yield back. Lady yields back. Uh, we got votes, Director. We're going to do one more on our side, then we'll take a break and come back for the remainder, uh, remaining members. Uh, the gentlelady from Wyoming is recognized. Um, yes, uh, Director Ray, we have established that the FBI and other federal agencies met weekly with executives from major social media companies, including Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Google, Microsoft, LinkedIn, and Yahoo and Verizon. Were you involved at any of those meetings, yes or no? Uh, I, I wasn't involved in the kind of meetings that you're talking about, or, or didn't participate, I guess, in, in meetings like that. Okay. Are these meetings still occurring, and if so, how frequently? Well, right now, uh, as you may know, there is a preliminary injunction that's been entered. Prior to the preliminary injunction, were these weekly meetings taking place? I don't know if weekly meetings uh, occurred, again, before the injunction, but certainly we've been, we've been very open about this, engaged with does, social does media. The, does the FBI intend to continue to have such meetings leading up to the 2024 election to police election-related speech? Well, we're not going to be policing election-related that's, that's what you previously did. Uh, that's not, I do not agree with that description. Okay, well, here's what I would say. This committee has learned that the FBI acted to, quote, discredit leaked information about Hunter Biden before and after it was published, that, quote, Twitter's contact with the FBI was constant and pervasive and as if it were a subsidiary, and that, quote, a surprisingly high number are requests by the FBI for Twitter to take down on action, take action on election misinformation, even involving joke tweets from low follower accounts. Are you aware that that has been reported? I am aware of some of what the committee has found in its report, okay. but I, I will add that I'm not sure I agree with the findings. But that's what we found. Uh, Director Way, you and I both know that the federal government is forbidden from doing indirectly what it cannot do directly. In other words, neither you nor the FBI have any legal authority to circumvent the First Amendment by using a surrogate to do your dirty work. Yet that is exactly what you have been doing. The Bureau, under your watch, has been using proxies to violate the First Amendment. 
Were you the person who gave the orders to use these social media companies to violate the first that violate Americans' First Amendment rights? Again, I don't agree with your description of our engagement with so social who, media companies. So, so who made the decision to use social media companies as a proxy to suppress the First Amendment rights of American citizens? Because I don't believe that's what we did, I'm not sure there's anyone that would have made such a decision. Do you really expect the American public to believe that you were not involved in the decisions related to using social media companies to suppress the First Amendment rights of, of, of American citizens? I, I can't help what people will believe or not. I can only speak to what the facts are. Was anyone ever fired or otherwise reprimanded? for uh, pursuing mass censorship? In other words, has anybody been held accountable for taking the actions that were described in the decision by the district court out of Louisiana? Well, the district court's decision just came out on July 4th. Has anybody been reprimanded or held accountable for what is... at the moment, we have issued guidance to everyone in the organization who could be affected as to how to been, follow that. Has and anyone so been reprimanded? I'm not going to speak to personnel matters because we have not made any such determination at this stage. Um, Mr. Ray, I have some letters from Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul that were sent to you on April 20th and June 20th requesting a meeting uh, to discuss the Weapons of Mass Destruction Directorate's work investigating the origins of SARS-COVID-19. Uh, uh, Your office has never responded to these letters. Do you intend to respond to Senators Lindsey Graham and Rand Paul to uh, find out more information about the origin of COVID-19? Well, I, I, we try hard to respond to all correspondence we get from the Hill. We get a lot. Uh, well, I assume you'll check. be responding. So my intention is that we would have an appropriate response. Sometimes our responses, uh, by longstanding procedure, our, uh, our responses have to go through the department before they go out. So it could be that it's held up there. But I don't know that that's, so, so I don't know Senate, if that's the case in these particular Senators ones. Senators Graham and, and Paul should be receiving a response from Some your kind office of response. Okay. Uh, as, as you may know, we were the only agency in the intelligence community until more recently when the Department of Energy uh, did as well to reach the assessment that, in our folks' view, we thought I, I more likely Mr. to be Ray. a lab leak. Okay. Um, Mr. Ray, from the Twitter files, Missouri versus Biden disclosures, the Durham investigation and report, and exposure and collapse of the Russian collusion hoax, the American people fully understand that there is a two-tier justice system that has been weaponized to persecute people based on their political beliefs, and that you have personally been weapon that you have personally worked to weaponize the FBI against conservatives. I asked Mr. Durham about this, to which he answered, I don't think that things can go too much further with the view that law enforcement, particularly the FBI or Department of Justice, runs a two-tiered system of justice. The nation can't stand under those circumstances. Director Ray, what are you prepared to do to reform federal law enforcement in a manner which earns back the trust of the American people? Well, first off, I would disagree with your characterization of the FBI and certainly your description of my own approach. Uh, the idea that I'm biased against conservatives uh, seems somewhat insane to me, uh, given my own personal background. As to how we are approaching our work of protecting the American people and upholding the Constitution, it starts with me having emphasized to all of our folks over and over and over again in everything we do that we need to do the right thing in the right way, and that means following the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it. It starts, then goes on from there, uh, to all kinds of enhanced procedures, safeguards, approvals, double checks, triple checks, record-keeping requirement, accountability policies, 
funding of new functions like an office of internal audit that didn't exist before, the installation of an entirely new leadership team uh, from my predecessor, uh, and, and where I can take action, where we can take action to hold people accountable by removing people from the chain of Gentlemen, command. Gentlemen, ladies, time has expired, Director. We will, uh, we, we're going to take a 30-minute um, break for votes. We will, we will be back. I'm going to try to start right at 2.15. Unanimous we'll, consent to, to introduce without objections, to the record. Without objection, so be entered. Uh, we'll start with Ms. Bush and then Mr. Bishop on our side when we return. Uh, we'll stand in recess for approximately 30 minutes. All right, ladies and gentlemen, uh, we are going to break again. Of course, I always miss the last two seconds where they tell us how long they're going to break uh, because I'm listening and I often get behind and then have to put it on 2x speed. So let me know in the chat, how long are we going for break here for? Um, now, personally, my assessment of how things are going, this second half has been quite, well, it's been less eventful than the first half. We had a couple of... Uh, Real sound bites there in the first in the first half before the first break with uh, Matt Gates, uh, Thomas Massey, Jim Jordan, and I don't know maybe it's because it's been going on for like four hours. After a couple hours, my ADD kicks in and I start to just kind of you know nod out. <laughs> so perhaps I missed some of the fireworks there. In the second half. Okay, 30-minute break. Great. So I got to kill 30 minutes here. Fill in some air time. All right. All right. Thank you guys in the chat. Uh, Georgia, Vixen, Clyde, Sing, Sing, New Song, everybody that told me it's 30 minutes. Okay. So I got some tweets bookmarked here from the first half. I imagine there's a lot of people popping in and out. Um, I want to go back. I want to go back to something that was... Uh, discussed in the beginning stages of this hearing. Remember, uh, Jim Jordan, right off the bat, he brought up the Missouri versus Biden decision and starting started grilling Christopher Ray on the collusion with big tech and the censorship of conservatives and targeting so many of the FBI's resources towards silencing uh, conservatives via Meta and Twitter. And uh, Christopher Ray's response was very interesting to me. And so we have this little soundbite here queued up from RNC Research on Twitter, about 37 seconds long. Chan, who's in and I want you to listen you to it. Can what disinformation is? What I can tell you is that our focus is not on disinformation, broadly speaking. Well, wait a minute. Yes, it is. Wait a minute. You're, can I you're, answer the question? You can in a minute. Your star witness said in the litigation... Elvis Chan, who's in charge of this, said they do it on the basis of dif disinformation. We need, a, we need a definition of what that is. Our focus is on malign foreign disinformation, that is, foreign hostile actors who engage in covert efforts to <laughs> Mr. Ray, Mr. our social media platforms, which is something that is not seriously in dispute. I have to stop you for time. That's not accurate. You need to read this court opinion because you're in charge of enforcing it. Can you define what disinformation Okay, so that is absolutely absurd. The notion, Christopher Ray's counter-argument to the accusation that the FBI censors uh, Americans' lawful speech through social media, that the FBI doesn't necessarily focus 
on uh, domestic misinformation. Their sole focus is on foreign malign influence. What a total line of BS. And it's also laughable that Christopher Ray, you know, he's, he's a master of deflection. And when they asked him, did you read the court decision where Judge Dowdy basically said that the plaintiffs are likely to win on the merits that the Biden administration uh, violated the First Amendment around COVID by silencing conservatives? And he said no. He didn't read the the what he didn't read the judge's decision on the injunction, which which heavily affects the FBI and affects their uh, policies going forward and how they communicate with big tech. You'd think that would be something that Christopher Ray would need to brush up on, don't you think? But it's all about plausible deniability and acting, you know, claiming ignorance so that he can deflect from the question. When he's uh, pressed about, you know, what the FBI has done and what the FBI plans to continue to do, given the injunction, he's like, ah, you know, I don't know about the specifics. I'm not sure exactly what the judge said. Well, that's something that, you, you know, you're, you're basically admitting an utter failure on your own part. Who's the, you know, you're the, the director of the FBI. This is pretty, pretty well in your wheelhouse of something you should know front to back. But anyways, the fact that he claims that the focus was on foreign malign influence is such a, a bold-faced lie. But it's it's there's there's a nugget of truth in it, and I want you guys to understand this. See what the FBI does when they're targeting conservatives on social media, when they're when they're uh, reaching through to, to to Mark Zuckerberg and uh, Jack Dorsey, and they're flagging certain posts, and they're saying. You know, this this guy over here is perpetuating the lie that Ruby Freeman pulled boxes of ballots out from under a skirted table after everybody was sent home in Georgia and then ran those ballots through machines three three times. What the FBI does, and this is their way of skirting around the, the Constitution, or the, this is how they attempt to skirt around the Constitution. What they will do is they will find an account that they've... Uh, that they've that they've deemed linked to a, a a foreign nation like Russia, perpetuating this claim, okay, and then they will flag that as malign foreign influence, and then they will paint a broad brush and and use that as justification because they found a Russian source perpetuating this narrative. Okay, now we can label this Russian disinformation and paint a broad brush and uh, request that Twitter. Remove all posts that are alleging the same thing. You know, whether it be from Jack Posobiec or Nick Cedar or Behizzi or, you know, uh, D.C. Drano. Because they found a source that is so a, a Russian source claiming the same thing, then they can say, we weren't targeting conservatives. We weren't targeting Americans. We were addressing foreign malign influence. So it, it's sort of a... It, 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 it's how it's how they operate. I want you guys to understand that. But the reality is, the judge in this case concluded that they removed like millions of posts, all of which were related to the talking points of conservatives. The lab leak, COVID, the 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 vaccines and their effectiveness. Um, that's what they were silencing. Again, I said this before in the last break. They weren't silencing people saying that 
Men can become women and boy, little boys and girls, little girls should chop off their boobs and little boys should chop off their balls and all this crazy stuff. They weren't concerned about that. They weren't concerned about the domestic terrorism of, 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 of BLM and Antifa. You know, they, they, they utilized January 6th, the PSYOP, to, to paint a broad brush and give a justification for silencing virtually all Americans claiming that the election was stolen. And that's how they operate. Now, we got about 1,000 people watching here, which is amazing. Much, much more than we, we normally have on this channel in recent history. So I want to ask you guys to please smash that like button and subscribe to this channel if you're picking up what I'm putting down. You know, and uh, so we got a couple of other tweets that I got queued up. There was, um, oh, there was this, Representative Andy Biggs, Christopher Ray to Representative Andy Biggs. If I wasn't technologically retarded, I've had, I'd, I'd have this queued up in a second, but okay, here we go. Where FBI Director Christopher Ray told uh, uh, Andy Biggs he does not believe there were any undercover FBI agents in or around the U.S. Capitol on January 6th. Okay, listen to him say it. Listen for yourself. Okay, so yet another deflection, yet another spell woven by Christopher Ray to avoid admitting the very obvious truth that there were FBI agents that had infiltrated the Proud Boys and many other groups that were part of the so-called storming of the Capitol, including Ray Epps, who said we got to go into the Capitol. We got to go into the Capitol, who is yet to be prosecuted. Um, but what, what Christopher Ray is saying here is I don't believe that there were any undercover FBI agents. Okay, but what 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 he's what he's doing here is deflecting from the fact that the the uh, there were there were numerous dozens of so-called confidential human sources working on behalf of the FBI. Uh, part of the people that initially uh, breached the Capitol went into the Capitol, but he's going to sit there and say. I'm unaware of any undercover agents. Okay, whatever you want to call them, Christopher Ray, there were FBI informants, confidential human sources, FBI agents that breached the Capitol, went into the Capitol, and uh, they were part of the orchestration of what happened on January 6th. So there's a lot of people, you know, hanging on to this, uh, you know, as if... Uh, 
Christopher Ray is making an admission that there were no FBI agents on January 6th. That's not what he's saying. He's deflecting by saying there were no undercover FBI agents, which is a specific definition. And we know that the D.C. police chief has already admitted as such that there were numerous, numerous FBI agents on January 6th. So, so that was another one. Let's see what else we got during this little 30-minute breaky-poo. Um, so, oh, well, there was also the, the soundbite of Matt Gates pulling up the WhatsApp text message uh, to between Hunter Biden and chairman of the CEFC, which is the Chinese energy company that wired $5.1 million to a bank account linked to the Biden crime family. And we have that WhatsApp message where Hunter Biden to uh, Xi Jinping is saying, I'm sitting next to my father waiting for the call. And, uh, you know, Matt Gates calls it a shakedown and says, you know, are, are you going to do anything about this? Are you going to acknowledge that this is a shakedown? And Christopher Ray, you know, he, he, he basically said, I don't want to get into that. This, this was one of the first times where he didn't deflect and say, that's part of an ongoing investigation. Instead, he said, well, I don't want to get into the details of that. Now, what that tells me is there's not even an ongoing investigation into the matter. They're just completely ignoring the fact that that text message occurred where Hunter Biden was extorting, using his father's influence, a bribe from the CEFC chairman, Xi Jinping. I mean, just days after, I think it was 10 days after that text message was sent, there was a wire transfer for $5.1 million to a, a bank account related to the Biden crime family and one of the shell companies. So the FBI has been completely exposed for their politicization, their, their protecting of the Bidens, their persecution of Donald Trump, okay, for... Uh, covering up so many different things for censoring Americans, violating our First Amendment rights, for uh, targeting uh, parents that are protesting school boards as domestic terrorists. And, uh, you know, they brought up the J6 pipe bomber as one of the FBI cover-ups where Christopher Ray was weaseling around and saying, you know, uh, that that's still, I can't release any details on that. No, we, we still don't know who the pipe bomber is, the, the, the supposed pipe bomber, they put the the pipe bomb by the DNC, and uh, J Jim Jordan's like, it's been 900 days, dude. You can wrap up an investigation into Donald Trump overnight. But when it comes to anything that may actually be damaging to the Democrats or Joe Biden, it's, it's an endless, endless investigation. Uh, let's, let's, let's think about some of the FBI's cover-ups, okay? You have... Like, you, you have the J6 pipe bomber, right? You have the the Roe versus Wade leaker. We still haven't found them. You have the Secret Service can't figure out who the hell uh, left cocaine at the White House. The Nashville shooter, we still don't have the, the tranifesto of the Nashville shooter, this transvestite that went into a Christian school and gunned down, what was it, six children, we still don't have the Tranifesto, right? We and, and and to top it all off, the the icing on the cake is we still haven't prosecuted a single of one of Epstein's clients. We don't have the Epstein client list. We just 
These inv- these types of investigations never conclude. They're always ongoing, forever and ever and ever and ever, until the American public just forgets about it. But when it comes to a conservative or Donald Trump or anybody in his orbit, yeah, we 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 in, in, in investigate, prosecute over freaking night, and it's so blatantly obvious. And again, I'll say this: the 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 Democrats, they're only rebuttal to any of this their only uh point of contention with with the republicans is that well well trump he had classified documents trump had classified documents oh i got thrown off there got a one dollar rumble rant (laughs) cod tongue said no audio for about four minutes so i was just ranting i was just ranting and raving to nothing no, nobody's heard a word that I said. Well, maybe, maybe that's for the better. Because I'm unhinged. I'm unhinged right now. This stuff pisses me off. I'm sick and tired of it. You got, you know, the House Judiciary Committee sitting here saying, well, we demand answers to this because we fund the FBI. We fund the FBI, so we're entitled to answers. But uh, at what point, at what point do you get to, uh, 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 when do you reach the 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 inevitable conclusion of this matter that the FBI has gone completely rogue it has been completely politicized and weaponized and become the uh basically the the freaking police force of the Biden administration when do you defund them when do you pull their funding when do you use that power that you got at your fingertips the power of the purse and defund the FBI uh, when do you hold Christopher Ray in contempt? Because I believe there was a moment there when it came to the illegal uh, abuse of the FISA system to spy on Americans that Christopher Ray denied in, in prior testimony and then uh, admitted to today, which means that he perjured himself. When do you hold him in contempt? When do you take action here? At what point? How bad does it have to get? How many... Crimes of treason do you have to enable for the Bidens? How many witch hunts against Trump? How many innocent conservatives? How many Jan 6 prisoners? How many moms protesting the Marxist indoctrination of their kids that you politically persecuted? How many? How many do we have to witness before you actually do something? These people got no balls, man. And I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. You know, I just did a video yesterday about the DOJ indicting one of the key whistleblowers from the James Comer investigation into the Biden crime family, Gal Luft, for a FARA violation, a FARA violation that dates all the way back to 2016, which he wasn't arrested for until the very month after the Republicans took back the House and launched a probe into the Biden crime family and we're gearing up to bring this guy in to testify before Congress. Gal Luft, this guy, he, he says that he was the senior advisor to the CEFC, the Chinese energy company, which uh, wired $5.1 million to the Biden crime family and more. They're the ones that held 10% for the big guy. This guy blew the whistle to the FBI in 2019. They did nothing about it. They buried his... Uh, his testimony as a whistleblower, they buried the Hunter Biden laptop 
right? And then, and then at, they, they 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 thought they they dealt with this guy, you know, they they buried the evidence, and uh, they thought that was the end of it, right? But then the Republicans take back the House in 2022, get inaugurated in January 2023. And once they get in contact with this guy and he says, hey, I want to come and testify before Congress uh, about the information I provided to the FBI, which they didn't act upon. Then the DOJ arrests this dude for a FARA violation that allegedly occurred back in 2016, which the statute of limitations has completely expired upon. So they resurrected a situation from. I ain't so good at math, but I think seven years ago, six, seven years ago, they resurrected a dead case to charge this guy and try to get an extradition agreement with the Southern District of New York to prevent this guy from testifying, charging with a FARA violation. You guys know what FARA violation is. It's when you're acting on behalf of, a, let's say, China to push a certain policy decisions you have to register with the Attorney General under the FARA Act, right? This is something that Marco Polo, Garrett Ziegler, the research group behind the Hunter Biden laptop, have documented extensively that Hunter Biden has violated hundreds of times. This is like the key crime that Hunter Biden has committed hundreds of times. And... He just got a slap on the wrist, a little sweetheart plea deal for minor tax fraud and a gun charge. And the whistleblower who wants to come forward to Congress and blow the whistle on the bribery money laundering scheme of the Bidens and the, far, the, the numerous far violations of Hunter Biden, they prosecute him. And, they, and, and, and the far violation, get this, if you didn't see my video from yesterday, the far violation that they're trying to, that they're indicting this guy on relates to um, himself and the former CIA director, James Woolsey, who was a an advisor to Donald Trump in 2016. So they're labeling this guy, Gal Luft, and uh, James Woolsey as co-conspirators and trying to drive up this narrative that the, the Trump administration was involved with a Chinese spy. This is the lengths that the Biden administration has gone to in collaboration with the DOJ, the FBI, to try to prevent, to, to, to cover up the crimes of the Biden crime family. They are now trying to make this about Trump. You can't make this stuff up, man. And I'm so sick of it. Behizzy says, there goes Nick conspiracy theorying again. Well, that's what we do here, and that's why we've been banned from YouTube for the rest of our lives, ladies and gentlemen. Those of you that are new to this channel, we've been banned from YouTube, we've been banned from Twitter, uh, and uh, you know we're, we're over here on the outskirts of the internet, on Rumble, trying to spread the truth, trying to affect change the best we can, and uh, you know, I appreciate all you guys that are out there still rocking with me. The MAGA Ginger, those of you that are members of the Wolf Pack and have been for a long time, I appreciate all you guys out there. And uh, those of you that are new, be sure to hit that subscribe button, baby. Rumble unfollowed me.
Oh, so Behizzy got unfollowed from my channel. You know, that's weird because when I logged into uh, Rumble this morning, I was subscribed to a channel I had never heard of. And I think I have been unsubscribed from Behizzy, and I got unsubscribed from CanCon as well. Now, I don't, I, I'm not going to sit here and allege that there's any conspiracy going on with Rumble. I don't think that's what's going on. I think it's kind of a uh, maybe a software glitch, like what happened in Antrim County, Michigan. Just a little human error, nothing to be concerned about. But uh, Behizzy, what do you think so far about this? What do you think so far about the uh, testimony of Christopher Ray so far? Because I'm just livid over here. I'm just livid. You know, the political persecution of Donald Trump, the conservatives, the systematic protection of the Biden crime family, the, the illegal abuse of the FISA system to spy on Americans, the weaponization of the FBI at the hands of Christopher Wray and Attorney General Merrick Garland. I'm sick of it. Can't take much more of this crap. Oh, but Hizzy says, I didn't know there was a testimony. Well, yep, there sure is. There sure is. Let's see if we got any other sound bites queued up. I don't think so. Oh, did you guys see the professor? <laughs> Look at this guy. I saw the professor in the background. And uh, look how he's grilling. Look how he's grilling Christopher Ray. Look at this fella. <laughs> look at that stare. Somebody, uh, somebody pulled up a picture. You, you know that? You know that infamous picture of Samuel L. Jackson from that movie where he's in like a tank top and his his gut sticking out and he looks crazy. Somebody pulled up that picture and they said that's the look that he's given Christopher Ray. Little weasel cuck. It made me chuckle. But uh. Oh yeah, again, let me let me let me let me push my Twitter, baby. If you're not subscribed to us on Twitter, check us out at the Nicky Mo. T H E N I C K Y M O. Matter of fact, I'm gonna put a banner, baby. Cause I'm trying look, I have this plan, you know. I I, I have this plan, right? I'm struggling to survive on Rumble. That's that's the that's the bold faced truth. Struggling to survive on Rumble. All right. When we first came to Rumble, it was like we still had a movement. We were we were we were pushing out videos that would get thirty thousand views. They get put on the Gateway Pundit, uh, Lindell TV, and all this stuff. But for a while, it's been pretty stagnant, and it's get it's getting a little demoralizing because there's no algorithm here. You know, there's no algorithm. And I'm not trying to bash Rumble. I, I love Rumble for being there for me when I was down and out. Um, but I, but so, in an effort to try to uh, survive as a, what do you call it, uh, commentator, uh, a content creator, I, what, the, what the hell am I? I don't know. When people ask, you know, what do you do? I'm like, I, I don't know, man. I make, I make, uh, I talk. I make videos trashing Biden and you know talking about rigged elections, but I don't know what to call myself. Whatever I am, it's getting hard out here for a wolf. So this plan I have is to try to uh, you know grow a little bit on Twitter, grow an audience there, 
publish short videos, clips, you know, to, to Twitter, Telegram, and Rumble, and hope that the algorithm on Twitter, uh, you know, helps boost the content to new viewers and get some eyes on this information. Not, and, and not, because, you know, Twitter's not as much of an echo chamber as Rumble kind of is. And so w w with that strategy, we have the uh, potential to impact some normies. So it, it was just this idea that occurred to me. And so far, we've been doing it to some success. So your support on Twitter would be greatly appreciated. Your engagement would be greatly appreciated. When you see me post a video, if you could hit that retweet button uh, to help it take off, that's kind of how the algorithm works. It, it uh, Not to bore you, but what they do is they... They show your content to a couple people. If they engage with it, they show it to more people. If they don't, then it just kind of falls into the stratosphere, and, and uh, that's the end of it. So if you see me posting there, and you retweet and you like, it really helps out. Uh, Fran Brand says, you are a truth teller who cares. Thank you, Fran Brand. That's actually a very kind compliment. Um, oh, th so that's my label. When somebody asks, you know, what do you do? I'm a truth teller who cares. That's my pre-programmed response from now on. All right. And if you got any more questions, well, go to rumble.com slash Nick Cedar, baby. SM26 says, I met Nick in Wyndham, New Hampshire, fighting for truth. Yeah, man. I was out in Wyndham a couple of times for those 10,000 ballots. <laughs> Exposing Harry Hursty. And uh, Mark Lindemann, Philip Stark, although Philip Stark wasn't as bad as the other two. It was Harry Hursty, the Democrat operative, that actually, I don't know if you guys know this, Harry Hursty, prior to the 2020 election, briefed the uh, UN on all of the hack hackabilities and vulnerabilities of the voting equipment used in the U.S. And it was it was sort of portrayed as a you know, these are the problems, and this is what we need to do about it to safeguard the election. But to me, it kind of looked like a big, fat advertisement for, uh, you know, foreign influence and people that might want to actually hack and rig an election. Now, Behizzi says those 10,000 ballots changed everything, and I believe he's being sarcastic. Behizzi used to always give me a hard time about how I focused so much on Wyndham, New Hampshire, because it was a, it was a local... What happened was there was the Wyndham incident. There was a local rep race where there was some sort of discrepancy. They did a hand recount, and the recount results showed that every Republican got an additional 300 votes, and the Democrat lost, like, 100. So something went awry, clearly. And, of course, all of these glitches, these mishaps, always favor the Democrat. So, you know, think about it. The, the machine totals gave the Democrat an extra 100 votes and shaved off 300 votes from all the Republicans, right? And, and so I initially started covering this issue because there was a recount. Uh, I, I'm sorry, there was an audit which was being commissioned, and I was obsessed with audits at the time, and I, I just got so invested. And then what I realized was that um, there, there, there was... The picture got a lot bigger for me when I realized that the memory cards for the voting equipment in Wyndham are programmed by a one company um, 
called LHS. LHS, um, what's it called? Dude, my, my, see, my memory is not like a, I don't have one of those like photographic memories. If I don't talk about something for a while, I kind of tend to forget. But there was LHS, I think it was Associates. LHS Associates. If I'm wrong, I could be hit with a defamation lawsuit. Um, oh, yeah. Okay, LHS Associates, right? LHS Associates programs the memory cards for all of the voting equipment all across New England. All right, so it's not just New Hampshire. It's all of New England. This one company, they program the ballot style, uh, uh, the, the ballot definition inside the memory cards of how they read the ballots for all of New England. Okay, so if there was a mishap in Wyndham due to a programming error, well, that would tie back to LHS Associates, and that could imply that there's election uh, engineering happening on a grand scale at LHS Associates. So that's why I got so invested, because it wasn't just 10,000 ballots in question. For me, it was the entire... Uh, it was all of New England. Okay, and what we did, well, I can't take credit for this, uh, Marilyn Todd and, and, and her group and many others, they got a grassroots movement together to get the closed poll tapes of from all the machines in all of New England and look at the uh, the, the totals in, within the 2020 election for all of the closed poll tapes for all the machines in New England. And what they found was this peculiar anomaly. What they discovered is that in every single voting jurisdiction, there was at least one machine where the, the, the results appeared to be flipped, were the direct opposite of all the other machines. Okay, so if it was a heavy uh, Republican jurisdiction, you'd have three machines where Trump won and uh, Biden lost. But on the fourth machine, it would show that Biden won and Trump lost. And it just made absolutely no sense. Okay, and so what what we did we, was we tried to apply pressure. Uh, Harry Hursty, Mark Lindemann, and what's-his-face, Philip Stark, they had the full authority to determine the scope of the audit, meaning they could look into whatever they want. They could obtain whatever records they could... They they had the ability to investigate whatever aspect of the election that they wanted to. And so Tom Murray, Ken Eyring, um, Marilyn Todd, this group of amazing patriots out in New Hampshire, all got together and created like a pressure campaign. And they were feeding information to me, utilizing me and the platform that we had on YouTube, which, you know, the videos were getting hundreds of thousands of views. To, put, to apply pressure to expose this and force Hari Hursty and Philip Stark and Mark Lindemann to expand the scope of the audit to look at this memory card anomaly. And there was even an instance where we got Hari Hursty and Philip Stark into an interview, right? And Tom Murray was there. And Tom Murray started pressing Hari Hursty about the anomaly pulled up an Excel spreadsheet and showed him the, 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 the machine totals which were flipped and uh, 
guess what happened? Guess what happened? The moment that that was brought up, Hari Hursty rage quit and logged out of the interview. Okay? So, <laughs> after, after Tom Murray got a little heated and, uh, you know, he said, that, that's not acceptable. That's unacceptable. I'm not going to accept that answer. Blah, 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 blah. Hari Hursty just rage quit. He could not address that. And what they what they concluded in that audit, uh, instead of actually looking at the anomaly in the memory cards, what Hari Hursty concluded is that the Wyndham incident, where the Democrat gained 100 votes and the Republican lost 300, the, all the Republicans lost 300, Hari Hursty concluded that that occurred because of uh, dust on the optical lens of the scanners. You know, there was a little dust Inside the machines, which was, uh, they weren't reading the ballots properly, you know, and folds in the ballots, you know, saying that the mail-in ballots, when they were folded, sometimes the, the fold line would go through the oval and that indentation would cause the, the, the machines with the dusty optical lenses to perceive that as an oval that was actually filled in as a vote. That was the conclusion. Yes, SM26, he ran away. He ran away. Yep, and then Sununu unleashed the state troopers on the Patriots. So I don't know how we got on to New Hampshire, but uh, it came up and then I got I got charged up, you know, because I, I spent a very long time being extremely, extremely invested and passionate about that situation. It was all I thought about every single day, every moment of the day for quite a while. And I went out there to, uh, to Wyndham, New Hampshire, uh, twice, twice, to try to do my part. But the criminals that rig elections, you know, there was a time when I thought that if you just expose the evidence, you present the evidence, you, you make it, uh, you prove it beyond a reasonable doubt that the election was stolen, you know, something's going to be done about it. They'll be forced. They'll be forced to, but... Boy, was I naive. That was back when I was bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. And then shortly after that interview is when we were officially perma-banned from YouTube for the rest of our lives. Uh, I think the, the final nail in the coffin was after I conducted an interview with uh, Karen Taylor and Tony Shoup of Audit the Vote PA, where they didn't even allege election fraud. It was more of an update on a, a, a court case or something like that. But I got shit-canned permanently. So we've been fighting for our lives over here ever since. And, you know, we're just, we're you know, because it, it hurts me, man. It hurts me not having the reach and the significance and the, uh, what's it called? The ability to affect change, you know, that we once did. Because Tom Murray would tell me in, in New Hampshire, like, if, 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 if we put up a video where we said, call your representative and tell them this, that, and the third, their phone line and their emails would be inundated all day long. It would completely disrupt their entire day because there were so many pissed-off patriots out there, disgruntled Americans, that saw what was happening and did not accept it and made their voices heard. It completely disrupted their day. So, it, it, and then we could give a platform to voter GA, Garland Favorito, Audit the Vote PA. We could give a platform to 
anybody in the grassroots movement and get their message out there and get all these people involved in the fight. And let's say voter GA had a, a court case where they were bleeding funds and struggling to survive financially. Boom. You put up that link and within one live stream, there'd be like $4,000 contributed to that cause. And it just, uh, you know, so so it's like after being banned, I thought I was being sort of a badass, you know, like, oh, I'm over the target. And I've heard Behizzi share similar sentiments. Like, you know, you think the fact that they're removing your videos, the fact that they're targeting you and silencing you, it means you're over the target and you're you're you're, you're doing something for the greater good. And uh, there was a time, I'll tell you this, this was my blunder. That I thought being banned was a good thing um, because it's it's kind of like validation of everything you're saying, and I also thought, well, I'll just start a different channel, you know? Yeah, I'm like it's it's gonna be like playing whack a mole with me, baby. You knock me down once, I pop up two more times, but I didn't realize that they had like software which could uh. Basically, they, they have voice recognition software, facial recognition software, uh, pattern detection in your cadence of your voice to determine that it's you with a new account and you're circumventing a ban. So I, I, I got banned like seven times within like a month. Um, and their policy is once you're banned, you can never, ever have a YouTube channel again. Now, I know we all hate YouTube, but damn, is it a utility when it comes to, you know, getting getting information out to the masses. And I hope that Rumble becomes the same type of utility in the near future. But I've been waiting about two years now for them to improve. <laughs> and it just ain't happened yet. Because he said, wait, is the hearing over? No, they're, they're at a 30-minute recess, which we should be getting to the to the end of. Um, in fact, I just heard something in my headphones, but the live feed hasn't come up yet. It could be any second, but it ain't over yet. It ain't over yet. But if you guys could do me a favor real quick, smash that like button, share this broadcast to your Twitter, to your truth social, to your Facebook, uh, blast this out to more people so they can see, uh, what a liar Christopher Ray is for that matter. And, you know, hopefully we'll have, hopefully we'll have some more sound bites, maybe some mean tweets from uh, the House Judiciary Committee, maybe a strongly worded letter. No, seriously, hopefully they defund the damn FBI. Hopefully Donald Trump gets elected in 2024 and shit cans this bastard. And uh, we have military tribunals. How about that? For his crimes against humanity, his treason. There's the wishful thinking. There's some hopium. I really hope Donald Trump plans to to just completely obliterate the federal bureaucrats, um, these unelected, appointed, these people in government, the uh, permanent government, these bastards that have infiltrated and corrupted every single institution in America, as well as people like Christopher Wray, uh, Merrick Garland the CIA director, damn near every 
every single head of every intelligence agency's got to go. And I hope that he's learned his lessons from the past and plans to do just that. Um, because if he hasn't, if he hasn't figured out that uh, Christopher Ray's got to go, we're in some trouble, man. We're in some trouble. So uh, yeah, smash that rumble button, baby. There, oh, there was a fake news hit piece about Mike Lindell yesterday. Somebody was saying that you know Mike Lindell. He's closing up all these different locations and he's selling off all of his equipment because they removed his products from box stores and uh, you know the, the, he's, his, his, his company is basically going down in the shitter and he can't survive and he's you know my pillow's falling apart. Well, it was all BS, okay? And real Joe Oltman on Twitter, he was actually with Mike Lindell uh, this morning. And he fact-checked these bastards trying to slander and disparage the great patriot Mike Lindell. He said, breaking, Mike Lindell did not sell off all his equipment. He sold off old retail boxing equipment and office furniture because Americans are buying direct. I'm sitting here with Mike right now, and he still has a smile on his face. The radical leftist media are liars. Pass it on. And if you need a good night's rest... And want to piss off the liars, go to MyPillow.com and use promo code CD21. You're welcome. Retweet to show Mike some love. Now, personally, I don't care if you use promo code CD21 to support uh, Conservative Daily or if you use the the, the uh, promo code of yours truly, which is Nick, uh, Nick, N-I-C-K. But go support Mike Lindell and do yourself a favor, you know, and get yourself some of the best sleep products in the world because nobody, nobody other than Mike Lindell has funneled more of his own hard-earned money into the, the fight for free and fair elections, uh, pissed off more liberals than, than, than this guy, okay? And the, the idea that he's financially cr uh, crippled and his, his, his company, his dynasty is is collapsing around him is absurd because Mike Lindell's smart and what he did was incredible when they removed all his products from box stores and tried to destroy his company what he did was pivot and give a bunch of promo codes to a bunch of podcasters like myself so that it, it, it's so genius to incentivize people to continue to talk about election fraud Employ a bunch of grassroots patriots while also, you know, uh, keeping his company alive and, uh, you know, continuing to make enough money to support people like Carrie Lake and her ongoing case uh, in Arizona. You know, I don't know if you guys know this, but Mike Lindell has literally paid for the attorneys, the attorney fees, the sanctions the he he's he's put up so much of his own money, given a platform to so many different grassroots uh, patriots exposing election fraud. And uh, so, with that said, you know we got some pretty good deals going on, mypillow.com, baby. And uh, do yourself a favor, take advantage, get you some Giza sheets, baby. Giza elegance. Mm. It's like sleeping on a freaking cloud, man. When you use promo code Nick, uh, I, I swear, I swear, 
There's a lot of promo codes out there. Listen, nothing against Conservative Daily, nothing against CanCon, nothing against Lumberjack Logic, but all, all those promo codes are long. Okay, they're long. There's a lot of syllables involved. Uh, just It just takes a while to say CD21. That's like four syllables. Uh, Lumberjack Logic. I mean, I love these guys. I love these guys. But Nick, man, it's short. It's concise. It's four letters. You, you just can't beat it. It just rolls off the tongue so easily. Nick. I mean, and who can't spell it? N-I-C-K. It's beautiful. It's one of the best. It's one of the best promo codes on the market. I'll tell you that. People rant and rave about the brevity, the 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 ease of access of my my pillow code. Somebody said the hearing is on. I'm not seeing that. Okay. All right. We only missed a couple seconds. I'm gonna pull it up. I think it's a Democrat talking, so we're not missing much. But I'm going to step out. Probably won't give any commentary afterwards. Information. I'm tuckered out, but I will be listening. I'll be in the chat. Thirty-three individuals arrested in connection with. Thanks for tuning in. After the Subscribe, murder of like. Floyd in 2020, just a yes or no is fine. Well, I, I, I'm aware of the instance you're talking about. Whether or not that correctly describes it or not, I'm not 100 percent sure. I know it's in the, the most recent. Uh, Fisk opinion, but I, what I will tell you is that millions of people every day are reaping the health benefits of using cannabis oil, also known as CBD. This new product derived from hemp has fascinated doctors and scientists around the world for its powerful effects on the human body. If you are in need of alternative methods for health empowerment, please visit www.naturalhempoil.com. That's www.naturalhempoil.com. CBD is now legal in over 40 states, and our products are non-psychoactive and contain less than 0.3% THC levels. We also offer products for household pets, NaturalHempOil.com does not claim to treat cancer, PTSD, epilepsy, anxiety, insomnia, joint pain, eczema, or any chronic condition that you may have been diagnosed with. Please consult with a doctor before you take CBD. Results may vary, so give our natural CBD a try at www.NaturalHempOil.com. That's www.NaturalHempOil.com. When it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill which may never exist. But believe it or not, I may have found the next best thing. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviewers can't be wrong. Simply place your order now to get 51% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com. www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. 
Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. That's why tens of thousands are using this amazing little device from SavePowerBills.com. It's a small but smart gadget that stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your electronics. Just plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Order now to get 65% off plus many free bonuses before they sell out by going to SavePowerBills.com. That's SavePowerBills.com. Order now. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Between mass shootings, homicides, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjacking, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight includes an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass-breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope and wire cutter, siren, high and low LED lighting mode, and much more. Simply place your order now to get 66% off along with many other free bonuses before they sell out by going to www.fighterflare.com. Order now at www.fighterflare.com. Fighterflare.com. That incident uh, is uh, non-compliance. I consider it unacceptable. Uh, and most importantly, most importantly, it predates all of these fixes and corrective measures and reforms that we've put in place, which I think would have prevented it from, from happening now. Thank you. Uh, and now on to Zero Fox. Isn't it true a firm hired on a $14 million contract um, by the FBI, which we've heard um, um, already today, to monitor social media threats, previously labeled Black Lives Matter activists as threat actors requiring constant surveillance? Yes or no? I'm not sure that's a correct description of the way uh, we do work with Zero Fox, uh, but I don't know that that's a correct description of how we well, do it. So did the, did the FBI hire the firm? Uh, my understanding of Zero Fox is it has a tool which allows us to, um, to in certain instances, engage in uh, social media searches to prevent threats. So the but, FBI, but the so they weren't hired. Of the specific, well, I, I don't know, again, the, the terms of our arrangement, like whether, you know, whether it's a, a, a retention or, or what, but I'm, I've heard the term Zero Fox before. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, it, and my general experience is it's usually used uh, in connection with um, preventing violence at a, you know, a, a particular right. critical incident of some sort. Uh, so to the tune of $14 million, though, it, um, there, are, there is reporting um, that uh, threat actors was actually um, what they label Black Lives Matter activists, two of whom I know um, very well. And I served... Uh, more than 400 days on the ground during the Ferguson uprising myself, more than 400 days, many of those days with those two people that were named um, and who are not violent. Um, isn't it true that the FBI has been actively involved in the law enforcement response to people protesting the Atlanta Public Safety uh, Training Center, a response that has included state charges of domestic terrorism against protesters? Yes or no? <clears throat> well, the, the FR Atlanta division uh, is working uh, in support of our state and local partners uh, when it comes to violence and threats of violence uh, that occur amid 
the unrest that uh, that you're referring to. So the FBI is involved. Um, these are not isolated incidents, and as <clears> I said, they're part of a long history of abuses by the FBI against black and brown communities and progressive movements. These are real, the real oversight issues. They matter to my district, but there is real and justified skepticism of whether the civil rights of black and brown people are adequately protected. I know this from personal experience in the Ferguson uprising and from other protest movements <clears> that I have been a part of. That's why I asked you about the targeting of protesters the last time that you were um, but what my district is not concerned about is the Republican conspiracy theories and selective targeting of law enforcement agencies who try to hold their twice impeached, twice indicted cult leader Donald Trump accountable. The Insurrection Caucus wants to use this hearing to score media political points. They want to invade oversight. They don't want to conduct it. But we're talking I'm about it. real issues, real reform that could actually save lives. So once again, I urge my Republican colleagues who claim to care about government overreach and weaponization to do the exact same. I yield back. Gentlelady yields back. I would just remind the lady that what we what we'd actually like to do is work with you to protect Americans' privacy, whether they've been targeted Mr. on the right Chairman, or Mr. on the Chairman, left. Point of order. The point of order. Point of order. Gentlemen, may state his point of order. It's not your time. I appreciate I appreciate the point of order, and I was just getting ready to yield to the gentleman from North Carolina who will Thank have you, five Mr. Minutes. Chairman. I greatly appreciate. That. Thank I, you, Mr. I appreciate the reminder. I want to follow up, Mr. Uh, Director Ray, about the Foreign Influence Task Force. So there have been exchanges with Mr. Johnson from Louisiana, Ms. Hageman over that. And, and I understand the difference. I, I want to respect the differences in characterization. Um, in, earlier this week in denying a stay of its order, the federal court essentially said this isn't complicated. Follow the law as articulated by the United States Supreme Court in the area of the First Amendment. Um, and, uh, and that was it, uh, as far as it was concerned. The, the foreign, in, foreign Influence Task Force is not a predecessor's decision. You set that up, right? Yes. Okay. And you, you've known about the continuous interaction with social media companies. Uh, you've known about, I mean, I'm sure you know about the testimony of Elvis, Agent Elvis Chan, correct? I mean, I, I don't know everything he's testified to, but I'm, I'm aware that he was... Uh, read his testimony? I've read parts of it, yes. Okay. Um, and, and there were thousands of posts that were flagged to the social media companies. These meetings with social media continued uh, across time on a periodic basis. And this court has found, and I understand where the point of disagreement is, I guess, at this stage is, and I, but I believe it's fairly common sense, that if you've got a constant expectant suggestions from the FBI to social media companies with respect to social media posts, at some point in time, it becomes a government decision or it becomes coercive in nature. That's what the courts preliminarily found. You all, that apparently is the line you decided to walk in setting this up. Today, it's sort of striking that you come in and you sort of casually acknowledge that, among other things, that we did pass through, I think you said, information from the Ukrainian SBU to social media, as if it's normal for the FBI to serve effectively as the agent of a foreign power to help pull information out of circulation to which Americans otherwise would have access because the Foreign Intel Service doesn't like it. Now, those are my characterizations. I have tried to be a little bit more neutral in my language, and you can differ with them, but here's what I'm wondering. <clears throat> Why would you walk that fine a line with respect to Americans' fundamental constitutional rights at scale, especially with knowledge of past abuses by the FBI like COINTELPRO? You said earlier that the FBI wasn't even concerned about disinformation per se, but the foreign origins of the information. Assuming so, how does that comport with Lamont versus Postmaster General? 
Well, I'm not going to try to engage on uh, Supreme Court jurisprudence, but what I can tell you is that the well, well I mean, that's that's the point, the direct no, right. And I'm, and I'm and let me just ask you: Do you know about that case? Do you know that case? I've heard of the case. All right, right in the heart of the Cold War, at, at the behest of an American plaintiff, a communist, by the way. <clears throat> Supreme Court said that Americans have a First Amendment right of access to information, even if it is propaganda originating abroad. And in that case, the United States Postal Service could not interdict it. Do you know that, in essence? Uh, again, I'm not familiar with the, the holding of the case. I'd have to review it to be sure that that's that, that seems to me the trouble. I keep wondering as I read all these revelations how that could be. That, or, or then, let me go to this. You know... Uh, that the FBI engaged with the social media companies continuously warning them of hack and leak, op leak operations in 2020. Not 2018, by the way, but before the 2020 election. Lots of warnings about hack and leak. You're aware of that? I'm aware that we gave them lots of information about intelligence that we were receiving from some at, of our intelligence. At the time you were giving them those warnings, the FBI had had the Hunter Biden laptop for more than nine months. <clears throat> and uh, But, of course, COINTELPRO itself was the... Mother of all hack and leak, leak operations. Active leftist activists at the time broke into the FBI's headquarters uh, office in Media, Pennsylvania, stole the files, gave them to the media, and newspapers published them. And you're you're bound to be aware of New York Times Company versus the United States, the Pentagon Papers case. Yes, and that says that it, even if information has been stolen or or inappropriately taken, that you can't get a prior restraint restraint in almost any circumstance to prevent there being. Distributed. So how how is it that your foreign influence task force is out warning of hack and leak operations to innocent, not involved in the hack? That would be criminal. But news or social media organizations where information may be circulated. Well, first off, we're not engaging in any prior restraint. Second, second. Wow. Second. Well, let me. If I could finish, please. Second, there is no serious dispute that foreign adversaries have and continue to attempt to interfere in our elections and that they use social media to do it. President Trump himself in 2018 declared a national emergency to that very effect. And the Senate Intelligence Committee, in a bipartisan, overwhelmingly bipartisan way, by the way, not only found the same thing, but called for more information sharing between us and the social I, media. I hear you, but it doesn't justify trampling the established First Amendment rights of Americans as the Supreme Court has declared them. Whether or not, frankly, I agree with them or you agree with them. And I just don't, that's what I don't get. You come here and, and, the, and the comments are sort of blasé answers. Accountability is always down the road. We never, never arrives. And I, I'm not trying, I guess I'm joining the gang up. But what I'm concerned about, and I think Americans are concerned about, is they just never see it. I don't know of an answer other than to take an appropriation from you that's very significant or to do something to take your intel powers away and put them in another agency. I honestly want to know. Mr. Chairman. And I think Americans want to know. I yield. I sure do. Uh, the gentleman from Maryland who keeps us on time is recognized. Uh, uh, until it's my turn, then I'm going to run over to Wait till it comes to this five minutes, yeah. <laughs> Gentlemen's time is about ready to start. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Director, I appreciate you coming in today. I saw a characterization of this hearing as um, a GOP-FBI grudge match, but I must say that the only grudge that's been seen here is from the Republican side. I think you've done an outstanding job with your testimony today. Even when you've been, um, you know, 
uh, admitting that there are shortcomings by your office, that mistakes have been made. I appreciate the fact that you are willing to do that because it's not easy for um, agency heads to do that. And also, more importantly, to point out the changes that you've made to try and address those concerns. Um, I, I, I want to say this, too. I, there, there's a couple points that have been made here about you were just talking about the Foreign Influence Task Force. Um, and I know there's a lot of talk about this as being some kind of prior restraint or First Amendment violation. But I, I want to say that I'm on the side that thinks this is a very important tool for the FBI and uh, the United States government to have, especially with respect to um, potential intervention or interference, uh, especially by Russian state actors with respect to American uh, elections. There's some people who think, and I'm kind of starting to agree, that one of the reasons uh, some of my colleagues are pushing so hard against this and other aspects of uh, information uh, protection within the United States is because they want to have Russian interference in the 2024 election. Oh, I certainly don't. So uh, I, I certainly thank you for continuing your efforts on that front. I did. You know, there was a, an issue that was raised about whistleblowers um, earlier in the in the hearing, and and uh, I, I wanted to, to to bring this up. I know you can't speak to this, uh, Mr. Director, but. Um, these are, these are two checks that were written to uh, some of these witnesses, two of the witnesses that uh, uh, testified here. Um, and they are for over $250,000. Now, they came after they gave their testimony, I think by a few days. But from my perspective, this is something that the American public should know when they evaluate the testimony of these individuals. And hopefully the I don't know if the majority knew about this but didn't disclose it at the time or what was going on with it, but um, in my book, this really brings the credibility of these witnesses' testimony into question, and I think we should, we should keep this in mind when we evaluate the allegations that they've made. I also want to say this, too. Um, my, my Republican colleagues have um, come a long ways from the law and order days of the, the Republican Party back when I was a kid. Now we're at Defund the FBI. I think one of them selling T-shirts to try and raise money using that slogan. Another colleague is uh, talking about abolish the ATF. Another one wants to fit, say defund the Department of Justice. Um, but as you mentioned in your testimony earlier, um, the FBI is doing a lot of great work protecting the country from terrorism, foreign intelligence threats, international cartels. There's weapons of mass destruction that you, you mentioned in your testimony. I appreciate that. And also, there's been a great deal of talk about the domestic terror threats. Uh, I, you know, for me, the, the uh, uh, planned attempt to kidnap uh, the governor of Michigan and apparently kill her uh, was chilling to the, to, the, to the extreme, and I appreciate the fact that you all were able to intervene on that. I want to say this quickly, too. I'm running short on time, but the misinformation and uh, weaponization claims that have been made by my Republican colleagues, I want to offer these Two articles. One is called um, by Aaron Blake of the Washington Post. All the ways Trump, not his foes, sought to weaponize the government. Um, and then another one. This is uh, Philip Bump. Uh, this is on the Missouri v. Biden case, which was quoted extensively at the beginning of the hearing. A deeply ironic reinforcement of right-wing information. The point of this article is that the Missouri v. Biden decision which, and I know you can't comment on it because it's pending litigation, but I also think it's being challenged by the Department of Justice, um, and rightly so because it's riddled with factual inaccuracies and uh, legal inaccuracies as well. 
One other article for the record. This is by Lee Littman and Lawrence Tribe. Uh, Restricting the government for speaking to tech will, spe will spread disinformation and harm democracy. I'd like all of those admitted. And then lastly, with respect to the Hunter Biden issue, um, there's, an, there's a letter from Abby Lowell, who represents uh, Mr. Biden. Uh, this is to Representative Jason Smith, but I think also to Chairman Jordan uh, as well, um, that raises um, the pushback on the allegations. You know, that points out that... that uh, the investigation began during the Republican Trump administration, was super supervised by two Republican attorneys general, uh, was carried over by a holdover Republican U.S. attorney. Last point I want to make, I promise I won't run over my time much. Um, I happen to represent the district where uh, we contain two of the sites where the FBI headquarters could be moved to. Uh, the chairman made a reference to maybe not wanting to fund the move, but I must say, uh, I think I've I had an office near your building. They've got nets around it to keep parts of the building from falling down and hurting pedestrians. It, the move is important and also would give you a chance to consolidate. Hopefully you'll bring it to Prince George's County. We'll save $1 billion for the taxpayers. And with that, I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Gentlelady from Indiana is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Director Ray, uh, FBI's mission is to protect the American people and uphold the U.S. Constitution, correct? Yes. Okay. <clears throat> so we had uh, a couple years ago, it was in hearing, and I actually, looking on all of the concerns that I've seen was really warrantless surveillance and uh, abuses of uh, Section 702 of FISA, I compare your agency to KGB, and spent two years in this committee reading a lot of reports, now doing a lot of hearings. I am really shocked that your agency is involved not just unlawful surveillance of American citizens, intimidation of American citizens, censorship of American citizens, potential cover-ups of convenient political figures and potential setups of inconvenient political figures. And a lot of my colleagues ask a lot of questions, but I think when we look at that, and unfortunately we haven't been doing our job authorizing spending, which was not authorized, by our committee already for over a decade, we're going to have this serious conversation and including reauthorization of Section 702. But I want to talk about follow-up and some other issues that you mentioned about that my colleagues I was talking about, and you mentioned that you focus on malign foreign actors. So in Durham report, which describes 2020, he states, and this is a quote, steel subsources could have been compromised by the Russians. FBI never gave appropriate consideration to the possibility that the steel reports was Russian disinformation. No vetting happened. You have some falsified FISA court application. You have some very shady, you know, confidential human sources that you kept paying for them. Nothing was vetted. Some of your head of counterintelligence division was accused of taking money from Russian oligarchs just recently this year. So you said it all was bad. Now we go to 2022. Your agency is involved with SBU, Security Service of Ukraine, you know, to actually provide information to Big Tech to censor just views of American people. No wedding seems as happening. You know, this is information. Actually, a lot of this information was pro-Russian against Ukraine and pro-Putin. Your agency just passed it along. It seems like nothing happened. And it's interesting for me that, you know, when I raised some issue, actually, the beginning of July and what's happening in Ukraine, I don't have any 
confidential human sources, just using some common sense and intelligence that something is wrong happening in Ukraine. It seems like there is a lot of infiltration. I was attacked. Oh my gosh, how can you question? Well, strangely enough, you know, after me raising this question in the middle of July, President Zelensky fired his SBU top guy, opens over 600 investigations, is potentially, you know, infiltration by Russians, and then fire a lot of other people for corruption, and anti-corruption prosecutor was suddenly installed. But what is really interesting for me, you know, how could you have these processes, and are you doing actually any investigation to look because it seems to me, as I understand, you still have our agencies working with SBU with, you know, coming from KGB time and FSB time has a lot of potential to have this infiltration. Are you doing any investigations on these issues? Doing investigations on... Yeah, to look at that, why we're doing unvetted information, we're taking from SBU, which actually was infiltrated and given to sense Americans to our big tech companies. Are you looking into that as an agency? Uh, I'm not sure there's an investigation that is directly on point to what you're saying. I mean, certainly the SBU is an agency that we so we're not doing for a long time. So did yeah. we change the processes now since we know your guys work with SBU, SBU was infiltrated by Russian, and, you know, Big Tech was censoring American citizens with this unvetted information that actually was provided by Russians. Do you change any processes? Or is it still happening? You have since the same processes that happened. Is it still happening now? Well, the the engagement that we had with SBU was during the... But I'm talking right now. Yeah. Because in, in recently, some of your agents had actually a you know, joint meeting, and they were bragging how they had top corporations with SBU. Did you change processes? I, I'm, I'm not sure what processes you're talking about. You read information. Yeah. What's happening? Again, during the period at the beginning of the invasion... No, no, I'm talking right now. Yeah. Do you change... Do you read information that you get from agencies like SBU? I mean, I don't know if we are trying to, are we being like stupid? I understand. Are we being infiltrated by Russians or corrupt? I don't understand why we're not that information with such a really challenging agency. So are you changing anything of that? I would like to have a briefing or something on this, because if you're not looking at that, I have a huge problem with that. I'm happy to try to see if we can arrange to get you a better briefing on the subject. Because this is a serious national security issue. Are you back? Gentlelady yields back the gentleman from uh, South Carolina. Oh, unanimous. I'm sorry. The lady from Texas is recognized. Thank you so very much, Mr. Chairman. The, the lone uh, ranger on this side. Thanks for sticking with us. Uh, we, we appreciate you for a moment and all my members. Let me just quickly um, indicate that I have a document uh, that is a tweet. Uh, that is um, wanting to submit into the record. Two of the Republican witnesses were gifted 255,000 checks. 255,000 in checks immediately after they testified before this committee. Um, it seems to be quid pro quo, but the fact of the tweet that I'm submitting from Mr. Kyle Serapin says the fact that Mr. Allen has not yet cast a check um, is uh, not that he did not receive the check. So I submit in the record the tweet from Mr. Serapin who indicated that yeah. uh, two gentlemen, Garrett and Marcus, were receiving a check of um, continuing your continuing your attack on whistleblowers uh, without objection. Those are those are uh, uh, just a clarification, Mr. Chairman. And then finally, um, the Federal Bureau of Investigation, Department of Homeland Security, Strategic Intelligence Assessment and Data on Domestic Terrorism, dated October 2022, Appendix A. I mean, the document itself, Appendix A, 
Appendix B and the categories of domestic violence without, extremism. Without objection. Your kindness is appreciated. Thank, Thank you very you. much. Uh, the gentleman from South Carolina is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. A few weeks ago, Special Counsel Durham confirmed the FBI had bias against President Trump and took unprecedented steps to go after him during the 2016 presidential election. The Durham report showed, one, the FBI did not have an adequate basis to launch the investigation. Two, uh, it didn't verify or examine all of the evidence. And three, the FBI was politically charged against then-candidate Trump. This, of course, was before your time. But here we go again. In August of 22, the FBI raided the personal residence of President Trump. This unprecedented raid was a shocking escalation in what we talk about with the weaponization of, of the federal government against political opponents. You know, our country is almost 250 years old. We've had 46 presidents. This is unprecedented. When we say it's unprecedented, we mean it. This is this has never been seen before in our country's history. Just like we saw in the Durham report, the FBI did not follow traditional protocols, and this investigation was chock full of abnormality. So I kind of want to go into those a little bit. Director Ray, as you know, the committee recently conducted a transcribed interview with Stephen D'Antuano, uh, the former assistant director in charge of the FBI's Washington field office. He has over 20 years of FBI experience, and he expressed some some strong concerns with your department's handling of the case, the DOG's ha DOJ's handling of the case. The first abnormality deals with the FBI office uh, that they conducted the raid themselves. Director Ray, generally speaking, which FBI office oversees Palm Beach, Florida? The Miami office has, a, has an office in Palm Beach, uh, but to the question you're asking, it's not unusual for uh, a field office that is investigating the case to send the case team down to be involved in conducting a search. And, and President Trump's residence is in Palm Beach, Florida. Is that correct? Uh, yes. Director Ray, did the Miami field office conduct the investigation and search at Mar-a-Lago? Uh, the Washington field office conducted the search, although I think there was some assistance by people from Miami. But it was pri primarily run out of Washington and not the Miami field office. Which was the case team that had opened the investigation did the FBI based on a referral from the National Archives, which is in D.C. Did the FBI headquarters in Washington instruct the Washington field office to start that investigation and that raid at Mar-a-Lago? Well, the... the Investigation was opened in the field by the Washington field office. Right. So it was not it was not Miami. It was Washington. Which is and the Washington field office opened the investigation based on a referral from the National Archives, which is also in D.C. So that makes who, sense. Who made the decision to have the Washington field office execute that search warrant rather than the Miami field office? Uh, that I, I can't speak to the specific individual. As you know, this is an ongoing case uh, and internal deliberations. Well, I'm not asking about. Case. I'm not asking about the facts of the case. I'm asking about who who made the call to go to Washington and use the Washington field office as opposed to Miami. Would that have been you? Well, no. The, the Washington field office opened the investigation because they're the office where the National Archives is, which is what referred the investigation and kicked off the whole investigation. Director, on May 15, 2023, the FBI, your special counsel, uh, or excuse me, not your special counsel, your general counsel, sent a letter to Special Counsel Durham in response to his report. In that letter, the FBI wrote, quote, FBI executive management has instructed investigations to be run out of the field and not from headquarters. So despite the location of the search, occurring in a territory in the territory of the FBI's field office, the Washington field office instructed the raid. This is inconsistent with the FBI statement from two months ago. I want to move on to a second. Sorry, it's actually not. I've got, I've got one minute left. Well, I've got one minute left, Director. Now, 
Uh, is it normal for a U.S. attorney to be assigned to an investigation, a high-profile investigation? Well, that's a, that's a decision that's made over at the Justice Department as to how they allocate that's normal protocol, is that correct? I mean, there are investigations, uh, prosecutions, and cases that are handled by main justice. There are trial attorneys there. But, uh, but again, I only speak to the FBI's decision-making, not to the Justice Department. And a U.S. attorney was not initially assigned to this investigation, were they? I think that's correct, but again, I would refer you to the Justice Department for any questions about well, U.S. attorneys versus main justice. And, the, and the, third, the third abnormality that I find really troubling, probably the most troubling, quite frankly, is the FBI did not first seek consent to search the residents, did they? Well, there is a, a very detailed filing in court that goes through in fairly excruciating detail the process that was uh, followed that led up to the execution of the search. And it goes through in great detail the efforts that were made to secure documents. Um, and I, because this case is now pending and moving forward in federal court, I want to respect that and not engage in more discussion beyond. But other than to refer you to the filing, which lays out in great detail, I think, the, the answer to your question, Director. That the Durham report laid out very clearly that in cases, just in general, that you cross every T and dot every I, that that was not done here. You didn't run it out of the field office. You didn't have a U.S. attorney assigned to the case. Senior officials did not listen to people on the ground, as the testimony of, of Mr. Dan Tuono talked about. You didn't ask for consent from their attorney. You didn't uh, ask for a consent search, despite the president having cooperated and handed over documents for a long period of time. And re you refused to wait for President Trump's own attorney to get to Mar-a-Lago to, to do this with you. And so what has changed since Durham? You've acknowledged this in 2023, that, that, that things should be run out of the field, that you've made internal process changes, but nothing has really changed since 2016, and that's my big concern. That, I, I, I could not disagree more, but we'll just have to disagree on that one. Well, here's what he said. Can you, this is questions from the Democrat lawyer in the depositions to Mr., in the deposition of Mr. D'Antuano. Can you explain to the attendees here why the case was not assigned to, for example, the Miami field office? And Mr. D'Antuano's answer was, I have absolutely no idea. And then they said the investigation was handled differently. And he said, his answer was, it was handled differently than I would have expected to be than any other cases handled. So I think that was the, 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 the member's point. And that's the concern that we have in spite of the letter we got from your general counsel. Chair now recognizes the gentleman from Texas for five minutes, and then we'll go to Wisconsin. A recent poll found that 37% of Americans have a positive view of the FBI. And that's from an NBC poll. I wouldn't exactly call that uh, right media propaganda. And I think I know why. Here's what the American people know and believe about the FBI today, sir. If you are a Trump, you'll be prosecuted. If you are a Biden, you'll be protected. And the American people that I represent are sick and tired of this double standard. It seems like every single hearing that we have in this room, we talk about the two-tiered justice system of Biden's DOJ and the FBI. And as we were talking earlier, here we are again. President Trump endured an unprecedented raid at his home in Mar-a-Lago. President Biden's home, however, was respectfully browsed. President Trump is facing up to 400 years in federal prison for allegedly being in possession of classified documents he obtained as the commander-in-chief of these United States of America. And meanwhile, President Biden is facing no charges for the classified documents he had held at his time as a senator and a vice president, not the president of these United States of America. And last I checked, he had no legal authority to declassify those documents.
Assuming President Trump was in possession of said classified documents, would those documents be more secure, surrounded by Secret Service at Mar-a-Lago, or in a box, in a garage, behind your Corvette? No, they answer that question. Question for you, sir. What can you tell us about the status of the FBI's investigation of President Biden's classified documents found next to his Corvette in Delaware and those found at the Penn Biden Center? Do we have an update on that, sir? What I can tell you is that there is an ongoing special counsel investigation led by Mr. Robert Herr, uh, and we have FBI agents uh, affiliated with it, working on it, working very actively and aggressively with him on that case. Um, I obviously disagree with your description of the two standards. In my view, we, at least under my watch, we have one standard, okay. uh, and that is we're going to pursue the facts wherever they lead, no matter who likes it. And I add that last part because especially in sensitive investigations, mm -hmm. almost by definition, somebody's not going to like it. So I understand, and that's actually why I live with the sentiment of the American people. I understand that, that, that's your sentiment. So let me, I do want to finish this. So, so I want everybody to talk about this dichotomy that we have seen. I, I, I get your point, sir, but that's just not what we see as the public, as we the people. We see... One case being fast-tracked and one case being slow-walked. We see one president's home being raided, the other president's home being kindly searched. You have one government agency, the Secret Service, protecting the former president and his home, and another government agency, the FBI, raiding the same home. Now, to me, sir, that's tragically ironic. And we expect more from a functional constitutional republic, and these things shouldn't be happening. Now, it's my opinion that Joe Biden is the most unpopular president we have seen in a century, and that's why he knows the only way to stop President Trump from beating him in November is by putting him in jail. You talked about this, Mr. Fry. In the 247 years of this existence of this great nation, only one president has ever been indicted by the DOJ and has home raided by the FBI. Now, some have said that President Trump's indictment means that no one is above the law. Okay, all right, I would love to see that. But what about Hillary Clinton? And what about Joe Biden? And what about Hunter Biden, who is America's favorite son? And let me tell you something, I got a four-year-old daughter and a two-year-old daughter at my house. Hunter Biden to me is like glitter. He is on everything and you cannot get rid of him. And yet nothing is going to be done about this. We're sick of it. James Comey decided not to prosecute Hillary Clinton despite overwhelming evidence that she committed crimes. And as I recall, it was the position of the FBI to not prosecute because they didn't want to interfere with the presidential election. What do you call this? The Iowa caucuses are in six months. Six months. I think the American public would expect to see this from Cuba and from Venezuela and from Russia and from China, but not here. The people expect us to have blind justice. They expect equal justice under the law. It is not the job of the DOJ or the FBI to prosecute Joe Biden's top political opponent who is leading in every single primary poll, and the Iowa caucuses are in six months. Let the people decide. It's our job to uphold the Constitution. As a West Point grad and military veteran, this is the Constitution I give my life to protect, and I expect us all to uphold it likewise. Thank you so much for being here. Mr. Chairman, may I briefly respond? Sure. 
so number one, as to the investigations related to Mrs. Clinton, as you noted, that happened under my predecessor, and I'm not going to speak for or defend that decision. I recognize that. Second, uh, as to your descriptions of the investigations uh, related to uh, Hunter Biden, uh, as you know, there is an ongoing investigation being led by the Delaware U.S. Attorney appointed by President Trump, and we are actively working on that investigation with him. Well, we, third look, and we, third look, we look forward to seeing the results of this quickly and swiftly. And, and third and finally, uh, to your point about the American people mm -hmm. and their views, uh, I worry less about NBC polls or polls by any other news outlet, uh, but I will tell you that it, the number of people in Texas applying to work for us since I've been in this job, has gone up 93%. And in fact... I'm not going to quote Matt Gates. I, 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 I heard his response to this earlier. In fact, <laughs> we have That's great. more applicants more applicants from the state of Texas annually in the last several years than any other state in the country. And that makes sense because Texas is the greatest state in the country. And I think that speaks very well of the view of Texans about the FBI. Director, any agents who served on the Crossfire Hurricane investigation or the Mueller investigation, are any of those agents on Mr. Herr or Mr. Smith's special counsel team? I don't believe so, but I can't, on the top of my head, go through the list of it. There's a lot of agents involved in the two investigations, and so um, let me check into that and see if there's any way we can get back to on that, because I don't want to get out over my skis. Thank you. Gentleman from uh, Wisconsin is recognized for five minutes. Director Ray, thanks for being here today. Um, on June 21st, the committee heard testimony from Special Counsel John Durham. Uh, have you reviewed uh, his findings, and did you dispute any of those? Uh, I have reviewed them. Uh, it's, a, it's a big, multi-hundred-page binder of it sitting right to my right on my desk, uh, and I refer to it frequently. Uh, I can't say that I'm aware of anything specific that I would dispute in it. I would, certainly, as you may know, uh, not only did we fully cooperate with him in the investigation, as he noted uh, in his report, but I actually assigned a bunch of agents and FBI personnel to work on it with him to help him. Uh, and I'm very proud of the fact that the reforms that we've put in place in response to the Inspector General's investigation, also in the Crossfire Hurricane, as well as some other changes that we made working closely with Attorney General Barr, if those reforms had been in place back at the time that all of this stuff that... So the confirmation bias, which was brought up time and time again when Durham was here before the committee, you, you feel those have been addressed? I think uh, Jason Jones says... You put together a letter, and that includes a lot of that information. Do you feel it's adequate? or? Well, I, I'm ambitious by nature for us as an organization, so we're constantly looking for more things we can do. But I'll give you an example on this issue of bias because I think it's so important. One of the things that I did as FBI director, and I did this a couple of years ago, um, was in order, and this frankly it was in reaction many ways more to both the, the Hillary Clinton investigation as well as the Crossfire Hurricane investigation was that I put in place training for the entire workforce that focused specifically not just on the importance of avoiding bias, but the importance of avoiding even the appearance of bias. And one of the things that I did to make sure that I was sending that message was that rather than like the way it normally happens in a bureaucracy where all the training gets saddled on all the folks on the front lines right out of the gates, I started with the top 
200 to 300 or so people in the organization, brought them all to Quantico for an entire day stand down. We heard from the federal judiciary, the inspector general, the Hatch Act Office of Special Counsel. And the whole point of it was the importance of not just objectivity, but making sure that we are faithful to the appearance of objectivity as well. And then we had a smaller version of that that went out to the whole workforce. But the idea was to send the message that everybody at the top has to take the, the medicine first. So there's two, there's two other things that were in there. Serious lack of analytical rigor was one of the other things that Durham brought up numerous times. And then I'll just, uh, there was a noticeable departure from how it approached, how the FBI approached matters involving possible attempted foreign election interference plans amid, as you just brought up, at the Clinton campaign. So it, it, the question would be, uh, have, has the FBI protocols surrounding investigations, I, I want to know specifically in the presidential campaigns, what, what's the policy now? We're on the verge of another nationwide election, and I'm wondering, is there anything specific in writing that you could uh, inform the committee of this afternoon? Well, we put in place a whole slew of reforms that help to try to mitigate against the kind of concerns you're raising. Um, whether there's a specific one that I would think is kind of, I don't think there's any one that's a single silver bullet. I know that Attorney General Barr and I put in place certain reforms that dealt with particularly sensitive investigations and approvals that would have to be required before anything like that could happen. I know that was very important to him, and we worked together on that. Um, but we have a whole slew of additional uh, approvals, sign-offs, triple checks, safeguards, uh, et cetera, that go into uh, a lot of these kinds of issues. Uh, when you raise the issue of analytical rigor, obviously that's, I talk about rigor. I bet my folks would tell you they hear the word rigor coming out of my mouth probably every single day. Uh, and that is something that we're always aspiring to get better at. So if you had somebody within the FBI that you found out was involved in trying to manipulate or uh, rig an election, especially at the national level, I mean, how would that be handled by the FBI? How would you handle it as a director? Well, I, you know, obviously it would depend on the specific facts as to exactly what it is the person was doing, but as accepting your premise, you know, that's the kind of thing that would have the person referred to our disciplinary process. To be fired or terminated. And, and the process would play itself out. I mean, I, we have a whole offense code that goes into, you know, uh, what different rules we have and, and different punishments and there's a whole complicated system that goes into the disciplinary process. Our disciplinary process is for the most part, I think, one of the better ones in federal law enforcement, but there is a process that we have to follow. Has anybody that was involved in that type of action in the past been disciplined for that at the FBI? Well, let me answer that this way. Um, obviously, former employees, you know, the, the important point here is that the um, all the senior managers in any way involved in the Crossfire Hurricane investigation are all gone from the FBI for a variety of reasons in a variety of ways. Uh, to the extent that there's anybody left, you're talking about a small handful of currently line-level employees, all of whom have been referred to this disciplinary process. That process, as you may have heard me uh, say in response to an earlier exchange, as is typical, working with Special Counsel Durham, we had to put that kind of on hold until he could finish his case because the criminal case had to come first. Um, and that process is now fully underway. But again, you're talking about a few relatively line-level people where we, on the, uh, we erred on the side of inclusion. So anybody who touched it, we sent them to the process, and we'll, we'll see where that plays itself out. But the key point 
is that all the, the main players, if you will, the senior people, are all, all gone. I put in place an entirely new leadership team. Very good. I yield back. Gentleman yields back. Gentleman from Oregon is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chair, and uh, thank you, Director, for uh, your patience. Um, so you're very, very good at your job, and um, as, il as illustrated by the last four hours, uh, and uh, I just want to say that you're way better at defending than you are at explaining what you're going to do about the problems that have led to your dismal public uh, profile. And, and I, I wish it was better, but I have, a, I have the most recent uh, poll here from, uh, I think it's from Harris. Yes, it is. The, the Harvard Caps Harris poll. 70% of respondents said that they were either very or somewhat concerned about interference by the FBI and other intelligence agencies in elections. 71 percent agreed that changes post-2016 had not done enough to prevent further interference and that wide-ranging reform still required. Now, uh, I, I also, uh, pretty interesting you know, article in the Enquirer, the damning Durham report, and I'll just read from you this quote from Mr. Durham. The promulgation of additional rules and regulations to be learned in yet more training sessions would likely prove to be a fruitless exercise. So, um, you must have done something more than promulgating additional rules and regulations. Because to me, that doesn't do much at all when, it's, when we're going to an issue that probably is uh, cultural. And to, to that end, I just want to share with you some of the things I hear from my sheriffs across my 20 counties. So I have 20 county sheriffs. In fact, one of my brothers used to be one for 15 years. And uh, so I called him, my brother, and I said, hey, uh, what, what was your experience with the FBI? And he said, they're very qualified. But when they appear, you know you have to be aware that part of their job is to enforce Section 1983. And he pointed that out just because there's a constant tension between FBI and local law enforcement. Would you agree? And by the way, when you go out and you talk to sheriffs, nobody's going to say to the director of the FBI, we don't like you. Why would they do such a crazy thing? They want your help. And by the way, I asked for your help. I'm down in southern Oregon against all the drug cartels. And to your credit, your office out of Portland's credit, you did your best to help. You don't have very many people, people there, but you did your best to help. But to, for you to come in here and say, I've never heard from a sheriff that we're doing a bad job. Well, no, you haven't. But now tell me, am I wrong? Am I, am I, over, am I saying that sheriffs would walk right up to you and say, you know, you're doing a bad job? I mean, how many have said that to you? Well, my experience with sheriffs actually has been that they are um, often very colorful uh, and very blunt in their communications. Um, you didn't mention. So I feel but, that but, they. But, but, but let me forgive me for interrupting. Uh, but earlier today, you didn't say anything about them being negative. And what I'm trying to get at right. here is, you've done your job today to defend your agency, and good for you. But but it's not what we're here today. I want to go to uh, Durham's uh, page 288 of his report. And this is, this is going to the heart, I think, of what your problem, part of your problem may be. And he's making his observations. He's very careful to, to protect you. Uh, he says, in making observations, we're mindful of the benefit of hindsight. And then he says this. Some employee, FBI employees were, who were interviewed by our investigators advised they had significant reservations about aspects of Crossfire Hurricane and tried to convey their misgivings. Others had doubts about the investigation, did not voice their concerns. In some cases, nothing was said because of a sense there had to be more compelling information in possession of those closest to the, and still other and current former employees who maintained they did their best 
to take reasonable investigative steps and acting within your procedure and guideline. Here's what, what I'm getting at here is, I don't think people within your organization are comfortable calling out negative things. I don't think they are. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't be either. I'd be worried, because I look at what happens to whistleblowers and others. I'd go, oh man, this is not a, not a safe place to be. I'm going to keep my mouth shut. And I think that is not a good thing for your agency. But you know where it starts? It starts with actually admitting that you got a problem. And I don't think you're very good at that either. I'm going to your testimony, page 13. You might want to look at it. I'm sure you wrote it, so you probably don't have to. But on page 13, last paragraph, you write, to be sure, nobody more deeply shares members' concerns regarding past FBI, and here's the words, compliance violations. Compliance, compliance is that all they did? That's, aren't there a whole bunch of better terms? I went to ChatGPT to find out, uh, and uh, I, I found these these words that might have been better. But I'm really asking you: Is that all they did? That, didn't didn't they break a law? Didn't they do something more than fail to comply? Well, I'm I, asking you: it, If the if the culture is the issue, doesn't the leader have to at least call out bad acts a little more aggressively? That's my question. Uh, Number one, depending on what the violation is, that may or may not be the right description. Some of the things that have happened in the past are things that I have deplored in the strongest possible terms. Some of the things that have happened in the past I think are described as compliance violations. So there's no one description that fits everything that has gone wrong at the FBI over the last five or ten years. Uh, my language in general uh, tends to be fairly measured. I think that's a fair statement about me. Uh, some people refer to me as low-key, but no one should ever mistake my demeanor for what my spine is made out of. And I have made very clear to our people over and over and over again that I expect them to do their work in the right way with rigor and objectivity. And as to FBI employees' willingness to speak freely and to complain, much like our exchange about sheriffs, I will tell you uh, your description of our employees doesn't fit with my experience. When I get out to all 56 field offices, one of the things that I do, especially on this last round, my second round, was to meet with employees without their executive management present, just me and them, including people who are retirement eligible. And we have a term, an affectionate slang term for people who are retirement eligible. It's called KMA. You can guess what KMA stands for, and it reflects their ability, because they're retirement eligible, eligible, to be able to speak freely. And they complain to me about all kinds of things, and we have a very lively conversation. So I'm quite confident that my employees feel comfortable talking to me about problems and things that we need to fix. Um, but my demeanor is part of what you're reacting to. Yeah, yeah, forgive me for interrupting, but my time is is over. I, I want to thank you for your candor, and I yield back. Gentleman yields back. The gentleman from New Jersey, Mr. Van Drew, is recognized. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and Director Ray. Thank you for being here. You know, believe it or not, I'm basically just a simple country dentist, but I do know my dentistry. And one thing I know about are abscesses. If you have an abscess, you can have a mild or moderate one, and you treat it with antibiotics and warm salt rinses, and in a week to 10 days, it'll be better. If you have a severe one, you've got to take a scalpel to that abscess. You've got to cut it open, and you've got to let the pus and the blood and the gas drain out. If you don't, that abscess will travel. 
It'll travel to the patient's brain, possibly, or to their heart, and it definitely can kill them. That's the type of infection that I feel is within the FBI today. It has gotten so deep that we need to get in there with a metaphorical scalpel before it kills our nation. We need real structural change, and this committee is that metaphorical scalpel. A clear sign of the rod is a memo where your agents, and I know you say you feel bad about this too, but nevertheless, and I don't think you like to talk about it, but your agents in a field office attempted to spy on Catholic churches and their congregations and frame them as extremists. This is unbelievable. How do we get there? Who exactly are the Catholics you're going to go after here, or they were going to go after? The charitable men of the Knights of Columbus that help their communities, that help charities, that help people in every way they can? Or maybe we met the folks that are fighting for the sanctity of life? Or are you talking about those who hold true to their beliefs rooted in the traditional values and teachings of the Catholic faith? As a Roman Catholic myself, and I believe you are as well, I was deeply, deeply disturbed by this memo. And it's shameful. It was only rescinded after basically it got leaked to the public. That should scare each and every American, from parents at school board meetings to grandmas clutching their rosary beads. The misguided priorities of our intelligent community, intelligence community put every American at risk, and it is wrong. It is un-American, and it undermines two of our most important tenets, freedom of speech and freedom of religion. It's what our nation is built upon. Director Ray, you work for the American people. They pay your salary. They pay all of our salaries. They don't work for us. They work, you work for them. You are supposed to protect them from the bad guys. And now many feel that they need protection from the FBI. I have a few questions here. Despite multiple requests, why hasn't the FBI produced, produced an unredacted copy of this memo? that really outlines this. It isn't public security, it isn't national security, it isn't public safety. This is an internal thing that you all did that was wrong, and we as a committee, this committee, have the right to look at it. When are we gonna get it? Why haven't we gotten it already? Unredacted. We redact information for a variety of reasons that cover various rules that apply to us. No, so I want to know why this one. So, so I, I, I don't know about the rules. All I know, I told you, man, I'm, I'm not a lawyer, all right? But you know what I want to know? I want to know why we don't know what happened here, that people in their churches have to worry, and it isn't something that's going to affect national security. So whatever damn rule it is you have, we should change that rule. Because when something like this happens, and it isn't a matter, of, a matter of national security, then we should know. So I'd like to know when we're going to get it. I'd like a date short, certain. What I can tell you is that we are almost done with our internal review. And as I said to the chairman, we're going to be providing a briefing to the committee on what the internal review found. When? It should be later this summer. And, and why do we need your internal review? For good you're doing an internal review. You should do a lot internally. But why don't we get the information when we ask for it, when we subpoena for it? We clearly are not creating any risk to our nation or national security. You could give us that tomorrow. Why don't we get that part tomorrow, and then you can give us the briefing and the internal review? As I said, we're going to give you a briefing on the internal review, and then we can discuss additional information that may be. Because you're going to try to shape it differently and make, make it out that it was kind of okay. 
Uh, no, I, on that, no. I will tell you that I am not going to defend or excuse that memo. I understand that you said that. I have simple yes or no. These are real easy questions. Has the FBI created or maintained any list of Roman Catholic churches? Yes or no? Any list of Roman Catholic the churches? Correct. Well, we're certainly not targeting any Roman Catholic churches. Well, they Catholic were. Church. They were. The field office was. No, since we no, that, found out. But do you, as a yes or no, do you have a list? If, it's, if you don't have a list, it's easy to say no. Why? We have 38,000 employees. We engage with churches of all kinds. So you may have them. a list of churches that you're looking at for no. possible No, 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 no. Not for possible investigation. How about Russian Orthodox churches? Same answer. Greek Orthodox churches? Tell me, <laughs> yes or no? Evangelical churches? Tell me, we yes or not, no? We do not maintain... Yes or No. Excuse me? Please answer yes or no. It's not a yes or no question. It is a yes or no. If you've got a list of churches that you're targeting and looking at, the answer is yes. If you don't, the answer is no. If your question is, do we have a list of churches that we are targeting, then the answer is no. We do not have... How about Jewish synagogues? Yes or no? Same question. We do not maintain any kind of list of, of religious institutions that we're targeting because we are not targeting religious institutions. Let me tell you, it's a sorry state of affairs that either that these questions are questions I have to ask, and it's a damn shame to see what's become of our once universally respected FBI. We need structural change, and Mr. Chairman, I yield back. Gentleman yields back, uh, Director. The the five individuals who who signed off on that memo have any of them lost their security clearance? During this this internal investigation, uh, I don't believe anybody has lost a security clearance. But again, we have an internal review pending, and that and that I'll let that finish to it come to its conclusion. How did you become aware of the Catholic memo that the I gentleman know. just referenced? How did I become aware of it? Point of order, Mr. Chairman. Gentleman may say his point of order. Uh, whose time is the chairman uh, consuming with? Uh, I his, thought that the uh, committee. Not a point of order. The chair now recognizes the gentleman for Texas for five minutes. Uh, thank you, sir. Uh, I, I will say this, Mr. Ray. I, I'm one of those sheriffs that will will be very blunt with you today. That's right here. I I've had an opportunity to look at your testimony, lots of stuff, and hear about numerous task forces, crimes being committed against children, including even infants and to toddlers. MS-13 gang members coming across the open southern border, the poisoning and killing of the American people with fentanyl, the, the sex trafficking, the human trafficking. It, it's quite clear, it is clear that you guys are dealing with some of the sickest bastards in our society. I have an article here from CNN in January 2022 calling the January 6th investigation the biggest investigation in FBI history. And what shocks me about this, quite honestly, is that you don't mention January 6th. Again, the biggest investigation, not one time in your 14-page testimony. You don't mention it one time. And that makes me ask myself the question, what the hell are you hiding? Sir, you mentioned 38,000 agents and support personnel in your agency. How many FBI agents and support personnel had you assigned to the January 6th investigation? I don't know that I know the number. I know we have a lot of people working okay, on it in multiple fields. Fair fields. enough, lots. Yeah. Knowing that you are dealing with some of the sickest people in our society with investigations related to child sex trafficking, have you reassigned any of these agents or personnel to investigate January 6th? Yes or no? I, 
I don't believe we have reassigned people away from uh, child exploitation okay. to January 6th. Let I'm, me just say this, Director. I, uh, I find that disturbing because last month, Steve Friend, he testified before the Weaponization Committee. Mr. Friend was a domestic terrorism investigator for you, and he was told by one of his superiors that January 6th was, I quote, a higher priority than pursuing child pornography cases, end quote. And for those of you watching in America, understand today's FBI is more concerned about searching for and arresting grandma and grandpa for entering the Capitol building that day than pursuing the sick individuals in our society who prey on our children. And Mr. Ray, your priorities are flawed. But let's rehash what we know so far. All right. It's the largest investigation in FBI history, and you don't mention it in your testimony. Agents have been reassigned from child exploitation cases and so on. So now let's get into the money, Mr. Ray. How much taxpayer money has been spent on January 6th? I don't know that I have the figure. Oh, you don't have it in my okay, head. But... Mr. Ray, I got an article here, uh, December 22, uh, 2022, two years after the events of January 6th, and it says the Justice Department has requested another $34 million from Congress. And uh, number one, you shouldn't get another dime. The FBI shouldn't get another dime for this political witch hunt against the greatest president in my lifetime, Donald J. Trump. I, I want to turn my attention now to this fella, this character, Mr. Ray Epps. We've all heard of him. We've heard of Mr. Ray Epps. He was number 16 on your FBI Most Wanted list. He was encouraging people the night prior and the day of to go into the Capitol. And Mr. Ray Epps can be seen at the first breach of Capitol grounds at approximately 12.50 p.m. Play the clip, please. We need to go into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Into the Capitol. Where our problems are, it's that direction. Please spread the word. All right, no, Dave. But one more thing. Yeah, so should we go up there? No. When we go in, are we going to get arrested? We go up there. Yeah. You don't need to get shot. There he is, breaching the line, going in at the first breach into the Capitol, into the Capitol grounds, a restricted area. Mr. Ray, you have arrested hundreds of people related to January 6th. And there have been people arrested for breaching Capitol grounds. Cooey Griffin is an example. Rachel Genko is an example. And then we go to Mr. Brandon Strecka. Brandon was arrested for disorderly and disruptive conduct which included yelling, I quote, go, 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 as rioters tried to empty the Capitol. These three never went into the Capitol. They never assaulted anyone. So let's be honest with each other. There is very little difference between the actions of Ray Epps and Brandon Stricka that day, but yet Stricka was arrested and Epps wasn't. Epps also testified to the January 6th committee. He was back at his hotel when video evidence showed that he wasn't. He lied. He was on the Capitol grounds just as Brandon Strecker was. Epps even texted his nephew at 2.12 p.m. and said, I quote, I was in the front with a few others. It was on the video. I also orchestrated it. Now look into the camera, sir, when you answer my next question. Are you going to arrest Mr. Epps, yes or no? 
I'm not going to engage here in a discussion about individual people who are okay, or are not going to be prosecuted. Can I get a commitment? You just watch the video. I'm an old law dog. I understand a little bit about probable cause. He did very little. There was very little difference what he did. And Mr. Strecker, you can see him. He's encouraging. I almost think he's inciting a riot. He's encouraging people the night prior to go into the Capitol. The day of, go into the Capitol. And he was at the first breach. And he breached the restricted area. Everybody, a lot of people getting arrested for not going into the Capitol, but they're in the restricted area. But yet, Ray Epps, who many people feel, fed, 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 right? And there's a lot of cloud over this. So I, I, my point is this. You arrested a lot of folks for unlawful activity. You just saw the video. And I will tell you, what, Mr. Uh, if you don't yeah. arrest Mr. Epps, there's a the reason behind it. I believe you know what, what it is. And it appears to me you are protecting this guy. I strongly recommend you get your house back in order. With that, I yield back. Mr. Chairman, if I might briefly. Gentlemen, we respond, and we got a couple point of orders. Uh, it is not. Your name is consent. Excuse me. Go ahead. It, it has never been appropriate for an FBI director in congressional testimony to be weighing in on who is or isn't going to be arrested and what who is or isn't going to get charged, which is a prosecutor's decision. If you are suggesting that the violence that at, Cap at the Capitol on January 6th was part of some operation orchestrated by FBI sources or FBI agents, the answer is no, it was not. And to suggest otherwise is a disservice to our hardworking, dedicated law enforcement profession. Can I respond to that now that uh, the, the point is he was number 16 on your list. Yeah, the, the, he was 16 on your list. You never arrested the gentleman. Him. Hundreds of Americans the were arrested. Shame on you. The chair recognizes the gentleman from Florida for unanimous consent. Mr. Chairman, I seek unanimous consent for all members have five legislative days to submit any additional materials as well as any questions for the record for the director. And I would hope that those questions for the record we would submit would receive more timely responses than some of our letters have. I would further seek unanimous consent that the text, that the WhatsApp message from Hunter Biden I used earlier in the hearing be submitted for the record. Well, uh, with, without objection, the gentleman from Georgia is recognized. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman. I have a unanimous consent request that a article uh, from the Daily Mail, Daily Mail, dated uh, today with the headline "January 6 Protester Ray Epps Reveals He's Forced to Live in an RV in Hiding After Death Threats Over FBI con Informant Conspiracy." Feds confirm he's never worked for them as he slams right-wing theorists using him as a scapegoat. I'd like to offer this into the record. Without objection. Chair recognizes the gentleman from Texas. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Director Ray, thank you for your time today. Uh, you said earlier in response to Representative Issa's questions that the job of the FBI is to, one, undertake criminal investigations, and two, protect the U.S. from national security threats. Would you agree with me that in doing those activities, it, the FBI has to do a lot of that in what are effectively confidential um, conditions? Is that correct? Uh, yes. And when you're undertaking those activities in those confidential conditions, you're going you're gonna to require tools that have been appropriated by Congress in the past, tools that say to you, we're going to trust you to use those tools correctly. And in return, the FBI then is expected to not abuse the trust of those tools that are provided to the FBI to undertake its activities. Is that a correct statement as well? 
Yes, I would agree with that. So trust is a very important thing, both the, the giving of trust when you give the, get those tools and then making sure that you do not abuse those, uh, that, that trust once those tools have been given to you. Were you aware that, uh, according to a recent poll by Harvard Caps, Harris, 70% of respondents in the United States said that they were either very or somewhat concerned about interference by the FBI and other intelligence agencies in the elections. Were you aware of that? I'm not aware of the particular survey or, or poll or study or whatever it is. In that same poll, 71% uh, of Americans, which is certainly a bipartisan group, agreed that internal FBI changes post-2016 had not done enough to prevent further interference in elections and that, quote, wide-ranging reform, reform was still required. And, again, you're not aware of those numbers? Uh, no. D does any of that shock you? You know, I don't spend a lot of time as FBI director worrying about polls. What I do look at is whether people want to work with us, whether people want to work for us. Uh, and on both of those metrics, uh, we're actually going up quite significantly. In fact, in your home state of Texas, we've got a 93% increase in the number of Texans applying to work for the FBI well, since I've been in this job. And in fact, it's the highest... Texas has more people applying to work for the FBI than any other state in the union. Even if you do not watch polls, certainly you appreciate the fact that you want the trust of the American people. Would you would you agree with that? Absolutely. All right. Does it bother you that so many Americans do not trust the FBI presently? Well, again, I don't spend a lot of time worrying about polls. I do care about what I hear I'm from American about the people trust. otherwise. But it bothers me anytime any American has lost trust in the FBI. Of course, that concerns me. Earlier, you're talking to a representative Hageman, and, and and you said where we can take action, where possible to remove them from the chain of command. And then you got you ended your time. You got cut off because we had to get some votes. You were going to say something further on that. Do you have any plans to remove anybody from the chain of command, or go through a process to determine who should be removed from the chain of command? Well. I have already removed any number of people from at different stages of my tenure from the chain of command. Uh, I have also referred people to our disciplinary arm, uh, which has resulted in some cases in termination. Do you have, have any plans to, to do any more of that? If somebody has violated a rule, absolutely. When we talk about uh, a good faith basis for trust to Americans, both Republicans and Democrats, uh, does it bother you that these illegal FISA queries have continued even with efforts of the FBI to try to reduce them, that we now have somewhere between a couple hundred thousand and at least a million of illegal FISA queries? Well, there are two things going on there. One, I think your numbers of, of what are actually illegal are, are off. Uh, but second, and more importantly to me, all of the changes that we have put in place to address compliance failures that I consider unacceptable have pointed to the effectiveness of the reforms that we put in place. So that what, I'm talking what, about... What number of illegal FISA queries would you put on the table as, as those that you know of? Well, what, here's what I can tell you. The most recent FISA court opinion found, I think it's a like 98% compliance rate. The most recent uh, DOJ audit found a 99 or 98% compliance rate. Is that acceptable to you? Is that 1% or 2%? We, we, we strive, no, we strive for 100%. But, but all of those things, all of those things, all, but it's the, uh, the FISC, the, the FISA court, whether it's ODNI, the Office of, of the Director of National Intelligence, whether it's DOJ, whether it's our own Office of Internal Audit, which I created, by the way, all four of those things have shown that the reforms that we've been putting in place have already had dramatic positive impact 
Am I satisfied with that? No. Has anybody been fired or removed as a result of their inappropriate use of FISA? Well, the last time somebody has had truly abusive uh, behavior with respect to FISA, it goes back a ways, but those people have been uh, gone from the organization. Are you making a distinction between truly abusive and just abusive? What's the, what's the distinction? There? Well, the distinction I would draw is between intentional or reckless conduct versus somebody who makes a good faith mistake. To me, a good faith mistake is still a compliance violation, and still somebody needs to be counseled and trained and coached and taught to do it right. But that's different from somebody who intentionally or recklessly breaks the rules. Director Ray, uh, I'm going to go back where I started, and that is with trust. Uh, we trust you uh, when we give the FBI tools. We trust that the, those tools would not be abused. I think in the last uh, six years, uh, certainly we've seen a number of abuses of the tools given. And I think as a result of that, you're going to see a curtailment of some of the tools that are provided to the FBI. That's not a choice that we're in a position that we want to make, but we have to make as a result of the abuses of the trust of the American people. Thank you for your time today. Gentleman yields back. Director, we, I have just a couple extra questions, but in fairness to the minority, I'll recognize Mr. Johnson. So he'll go for a few questions. I'll have a few, and then and we appreciate you being here for this length of time. Uh, and then we'll be able to adjourn the hearing. But uh, the, the gentleman from Georgia is recognized. Thank you, uh, Director Ray. Uh, you have uh, acquitted yourself admirably today under uh, severe and constant uh, uh, fire. Um, and so your day is about to come to a close uh, with your head still standing, your, your head still held high, and um, your um, um, soul, I'm sure, further empowered to continue doing the right thing uh, on behalf of the American people through your service uh, as director of the FBI, and I thank you for that. Uh, you were asked multiple times about the Missouri versus Biden injunction. This is a preliminary injunction issued on a holiday, July Fourth, uh, Independence Day, um, and it makes various allegations that thus far have been totally unproven, but relied upon as true here uh, by members of this committee. What is your response to the allegations that the FBI has been engaged in censoring uh, social media platforms or anyone else? Well, while I respect the court's decision, I think there are a number of factual findings that we don't agree with. Uh, and certainly the FBI is not engaged, in my view, in censorship uh, or content suppression. Uh, My Republican colleagues also seem to think that the FBI is being weaponized against the American people. What is your response to that allegation? And that will be my final question uh, for today to you. The FBI that I see every day, uh, and again, when I see the FBI, nobody gets to see it the way I do. I've been to all 56 of our field offices at least twice. I've spoken with partners, law enforcement partners in all 50 states multiple times with federal judges all over the country, with business leaders, community leaders, prosecutors, victims, more importantly, and their families. The FBI that I see every day is working their tails off to protect the American people from a really staggering array of threats. Uh, they are an inspiring 
incredibly dedicated group of people. Uh, and the FBI uh, is best captured by the Chicago agent who had his arm shot up by an AR-15 chasing a fugitive and retrained himself to shoot left-handed and then requalified for SWAT left-handed by the Atlanta agent who unexpectedly came across uh, a fugitive, a gang fugitive, chased the guy into a car, got caught in the car door. The guy drove off with the, the Atlanta agent stuck in the door. The guy headed out onto the freeway. The poor agent, you know, broke his pelvis and Lord knows how many other things. And yet he still managed to apprehend the subject. The FBI that I see is captured by the Portland agent who, out for a run, comes across a mentally ill woman down on the train tracks and climbs down in the train tracks to try to wrestle her out of the, the way of the oncoming train while she's trying to bite him and everything else and gets her to safety. Or the bomb tech who comes across a booby trap, blows up on him, and the next business day he's back at work. That's the FBI that I see. I could give you countless examples. That is the real FBI. Well, I thank you uh, again for your service, and I appreciate the fact that uh, you have allowed your somewhat loquaciousness to emerge uh, during this hearing with that final response. Thank you. Uh, I, I think the gentleman yields back. Uh, Director, we appreciate...
All right, so I guess that's it. Pretty uneventful stuff, if you ask me. Uh, I, I was in the middle of pulling this clip where I saw Christopher Ray denying the fact that the FBI orchestrated January 6th, uh, that they were, there was some uh, orchestration by FBI agents or sources. So, I mean, effectively, he just denied that this accusation that there was dozens of FBI uh, confidential human sources, agents, whatever you want to call them, infiltrating the Proud Boys and setting people up to go into the Capitol, he did officially deny that. And I pulled the clip. I put it on Twitter. Uh, you guys should check it out, retweet it, help it take off, um, because that was a pretty important statement that he made at the end there. And you can follow, again, at the Nicky Mo. But ladies and gentlemen, it's been a long day. I uh, have made myself a bowl of chicken noodle soup, and I'm tuckered out and ready to eat. So... One last time, if you guys could, smash the like button, subscribe to this channel. All of the uh, links are in the description, and we are gonna, we're going to go ahead and shut this down. Be sure to share this to any of your friends that uh, have any skepticism on whether or not Christopher Ray is a lying, treasonous bastard, because I think that was pretty exemplified today. Boy, we got a lot <laughs> same old circle backwards salad. I was just about to say, he's got a lot of circling back to do. There was, Anything that he couldn't uh, skate around by saying there's an ongoing investigation, he, he, would, he would say, uh, I'm not too sure. I'll have to check my sources and get back to you on that. So there's so many things that Chris Ray has to get back to the House Judiciary Committee about, uh, particularly, you know, the, 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 they want the unredacted memo of the FBI's targeting of Catholics. You know, there was, uh, they wanted information regarding how many of the FBI agents were taken off of investigating and prosecuting child sex trafficking and put on uh, January 6th, the January 6th investigation, how much FBI resources were moved away from the more important issues to January 6th. Lots of stuff that he couldn't answer for. So he's going to have to circle back like Jen Suckass Sucky, Fire Crotch, former press secretary, now MSNBC, Mockingbird Media commentator. Wow, what a level up. But she left us with cringe John Pierre. Gosh, I almost missed Jen Psaki. What a state of affairs we're in. Excellent times. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times, ladies and gentlemen. Because while on one hand it appears that America's crumbling before our eyes, uh, and falling to a Marxist regime, there is a great awakening unfolding. You know, I'm from a different generation, but I've gathered the perception that there is a lot of people out there, particularly, you know, of the boomer generation, that were under the impression that the FBI was on the up and up, that uh, the institutions in America were, uh, you know, operated with integrity. And I don't know, I'm, f I'm from a, a different generation where we came up more skeptical than others, okay? We had the, it was the age of the internet. We knew about 9-11. We knew, you know, weapons of mass destruction and all that stuff. And I think we got red-pilled. Actually, what am I talking about? Half my generation, stupid as hell, got blue hair chopping off their kids' balls. People I went to high school with got transgender kids already. So what the hell am I? I'm red-pilled, okay? I was red-pilled. But for me, it's not like a... It's, you know, for, for a lot of people of the older generation, it seems like there's this, 
process of, of grieving that they're going through and, and understanding and accepting the gravity of the corruption. And for me, it's like, yeah, 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 it's been that way for a long time. I mean, I mean, they, they, the CIA did assassinate JFK. Did you guys forget? I mean, come on, come on. Ah, I wish a rep would ask him who he works for. He has no answers. Well, well, we know he's George Soros' butt buddy. That's for sure. Uh, think most of us did trust our government until 2020. No, I wouldn't go that. See, my, my perception was this. I've told this story a million times, right? I didn't vote. I never voted in my life until the 2020 election. And the reason is because, you know, I was a big New World Order, New World Order conspiracy theorist long before the 2020 election. And I, I was uh, politically agnostic. I wasn't a Republican or a Democrat. I, di I didn't have any political affiliation, political aspiration, or interest in politics because I, I, I believed it was a, a rigged system um, all the way back to when uh, George Bush ran against John Kerry. And what, what year was that? But, you know, basically, I learned that they were both members of the same secret society, the Skull and Bone Society at Yale. And so it was kind of like uh, it was kind of like I, I, I awoke into this illusion of choice before I was even of the age to to vote. So when it came time for me to you know cast my first ballot, I wasn't too enthusiastic about it. But you know, it is what it is. There's a lot of people like for me. I'll tell you what for me, COVID and the 2020 election and all this stuff. It was kind of like uh, all these prophetic conspiracy theories that people had alleged decades ago that were laughed off as ludicrous and uh, absurd all of a sudden come to fruition and for me it was kind of like a kind of validating if anything because now it felt like there was all these thousands of, you know millions of people waking up to the uh perpetuating things that used to be laughed off as conspiracy theories are now like mainstream. And so for me, oh, 2004, right, 2004. Well, I graduated high school in 2010. So that tells you how how ahead of the curve old Nickel Bob Crane here was. You know, I was a, I guess I was red-pilled about elections in 2004. Just off a of freaking YouTube video. Back when YouTube was the wild, wild west. When they wasn't censoring nothing. There wasn't no fact checks. <clears throat> 2020 showed how deep the corruption really is. But I did not know about Dominion voting uh, equipment. Obviously, there wasn't a mass, um, you know, mail-in balloting. There wasn't a lot of, I mean, I don't even think the Eric Voterol system was implemented until the Obama administration. So the ways and means that they rig elections, I didn't know the ins and outs of all that. I just I just felt like there was a, a cabal of evil people that all come from the same 13 bloodlines and all these people in power have been hand-selected. And I thought the way I thought it worked was, okay, they let you vote, but effectively they, they, they game the system so that the choices, you know, like the, uh, the puppet masters behind the scenes, they give you an illusion of choice. They'll say, do you want Coke or Pepsi, right? And you're like, I don't want soda. I, I, how about some water? You know, can I have some water? And they're like, nope, the, the only choices you got are Coke and Pepsi. And it's like, well, who who decided that those are my only two choices? 
Well, that's just the way it works. It's a two-party system. That's just the way it works. This, you know, they got they got elected in the primaries. You know, where 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 the the DNC and the RNC funneled millions and millions of dollars to their campaigns, and you know what I'm saying. You know what I mean, Jelly Bean? You're scooping what I'm pooping. You're picking up what I'm putting down. <sighs> Anyways, I drank some pre-workout today. So I've been pretty jazzed up. My armpits have been sweating. The AC ducts don't really work so well in this guest room where I do my videos. And it's it's hot as hell in here. It's like a damn sauna. So, but it's been, it's been a fun day hanging out with you guys. Haven't done a live stream in weeks. And uh, at this point, I'm just lingering. At this point, I'm just lingering. So, uh, yeah, Joe said he created the most elaborate and inclusive. I think it was the most extensive and inclusive voter fraud system in American history. And if you don't vote for me, you ain't black. Yep, he's, you can't forget about that one. If you don't vote for me, you ain't black. I had a group chat with some friends that was titled, You Ain't Black, and all we would do is post memes making fun of Biden. But anyways, anyways, smart young and Nick, thanks slave to him. Yeah, looking very tall today, Nick. Yep, well, I am nine foot tall. Had to get a custom made standing desk that could uh, handle my stature. Uh, I'm actually pretty modest. You know, I, I say I'm nine foot tall. The reality is I'm nine foot 11.5. So I'm pushing 10 but I don't know. I, 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 don't, I don't like to intimidate people, and I want everybody to feel like we're all, we're all equal. You know, I, I'm, not, I'm not, you don't have to live in my shadow, Behizzy. You know? Yeah, now we see it, one party. Yep, one party. It's the uniparty. I had a, I had a friend, Justin, he used to say, like, uh, you know the 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 Democrats. Well, I'm gonna I'm gonna completely butcher this, but he said, you know, they're they're they're, they're both parties. They're they're both screwing you over, but uh, you know, the Democrats will come up and they will. <laughs> I can't say this on the air. I, I can't say this on the air. He, he's, <laughs> uh, he used to say that the the the, the Democrat. <laughs> he said, "Okay." He said the Republicans will rape you in the butt and whisper in your ear and tell you that it's the Democrats, whereas the Democrats will just walk right up to you and rape you from the front and look you dead in the eye. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but uh. Something, something like that. And that's pretty much how it works, you know? That's pretty much how it works. All right, now, I think I'm blushing. Because, I, I, look, I got a sick sense of humor. You guys don't know what I'm like off camera, you know? I'm unhinged, okay? I have no filter, and I'm not PC, and I'm not safe for work. But I try to clean it up. I try to clean it up. When I'm on camera here, I, I just got, I just gathered that a lot of the boomers out there just don't, I, I started, I, I came out and I was being me, you know, very vulgar and kind of, uh, you know, telling my dirty jokes and stuff. 
And a lot of people were not very receptive to it. And then I had people telling me, hey, Nick, you know, your political uh, videos that you make, I show them to my grandkids and I can't show them to, to them if you're if you're going to cuss so much and be so vulgar and be so nasty, blah 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 blah. And I'm like, well, now you got me. <laughs> Here I am saying we got to you know reeducate the, the the younger generation so we don't grow up with a bunch of indoctrinated retards. And what am I doing out here? You know, being so vulgar and rated R, so people can't show these videos to their grandkids. But that was like one person. It was like one person showing my videos to their grandkids, you know, and, and, and that one person got me to completely change how I approach my material. But, you know, the reality is, you know, behind the scenes, I'm pretty dank with, with the, with the memes, with the, with the, with the jokes. Anyways. All right. So I think I'm going to shut this down. We had a good time. We listened to Christopher Ray live for six hours. Um, the country's going to hell. But it's all good. So if you guys could, uh, one, one favor, one favor would be subscribe to this channel. Uh, a second favor would be to click like. A third favor would be to follow us on Twitter at the Nicky Mo. And a fourth favor would be to go to MyPillow.com and use promo code Nick. All right. I don't ask. I don't ask for a lot. I don't ask for a lot. All right. But uh vulgar language is offensive. See? Come on. I mean, singing a new song says vulgar language is offensive. But then slave to him says I love six sense of humor. I get it. You can't please everybody. I guess the solution's just be yourself. Right. Like that works in the real world. Be yourself. Well, what if you're a freaking deranged lunatic like myself? You can't be yourself in all situations. You, you know, you gotta you gotta tailor things a little bit based on the circumstances and who you're around. I'm not saying you gotta be a chameleon and change to a different person, but you you tailor yourself a little bit. I mean, when I I don't know about you, but when I walk into a job interview, I'm not gonna walk in and start talking about how uh, Republicans are banging you up the butt and whispering in your ear that it's the Democrats, whereas the you know I'm not gonna tell that joke to my my potential employer you know anyways all right all right i'm getting out of here we're gonna shut this down thanks for tuning in wait a second oh never mind all right i'm out when it comes to stubborn belly fat, we're all searching for a miracle pill. Generally, you have to use multiple products that target belly fat differently to manage excess weight around the stomach. Some products may focus on abdominal exercises or dietary changes, while others might focus on boosting metabolism or controlling cravings. But believe it or not, I may have found a solution that removes the need for juggling through multiple weight management products. It's called Belly Trim, and it's more effective at targeting belly fat, enhancing metabolism, and promoting a toned midsection better than most weight management products I've seen typically found on store shelves. Tens of thousands of five-star reviews back up the notion that Belly Trim is not only a 
a breakthrough in a bottle, but that it also removes the need for us to use countless diet pills and fat-burning supplements. But there's more. If you place your order for Belly Trim now, you'll also receive 51% off free VIP live health and fitness coaching for life, two free new e-books titled Top 10 Foods That Burn Belly Fat and Top 10 Exercises to Reduce Belly Fat, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee, and last but not least, free shipping. Simply go to www.trimwithus.com. That's www.trimwithus.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's www.trimwithus.com. Order now. Energy bills are rising at a historic rate, and there's no end in sight. Talk to enough people, and you'll soon realize nearly everyone's shocked at their recent electricity bills. Some studies reveal energy costs have skyrocketed by as high as 60% in as little as two years. That's why tens of thousands are installing this magical little device from SavePowerBills.com to help slash their energy bills. This sophisticated gadget stabilizes electrical currents, reduces dirty electricity, and helps protect your appliances and electronics. Simply plug it into your home's wall outlet to help lower energy consumption and ultimately help reduce your power bills every month. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this device is one of the most efficient ways to save money while beating the greedy power companies. But there's more. If you order now, you'll also receive 65% off, fast shipping within the USA, hassle-free returns, and last but not least, a 60-day satisfaction guarantee. Just go to SavePowerBills.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. Once again, that's SavePowerBills.com. Violent crime across the U.S. has skyrocketed. Just recently, a politician was carjacked by three armed attackers outside his home in Washington, D.C. This comes several months after another politician was assaulted in the elevator of her building. Between mass shootings, kidnappings, burglaries, and carjackings, it's never been more vital to learn how to protect yourself. This is why tens of thousands are choosing the Fighter Flare Flashlight. The Fighter Flare Flashlight has awed people with a wonderful design and massive light output. On top of an ultra-bright 800-lumen light, it boasts powerful strobe lighting modes for self-defense, a glass breaking hammer, a built-in power bank, solar-powered recharging, rope cutter, siren, and much more. Countless five-star reviews back up the notion that this flashlight is the latest and greatest in the EDC market. But there's more. If you place your order for the Fighter Flare flashlight now, you'll also receive 66% off, free express shipping, and last but not least, a 100% lifetime guaranteed replacement. Simply go to www.fighterflare.com to take advantage of this limited-time deal before they sell out. www.fighterflare.com. Order now.